Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this uh, Tuesday. I'm so used to saying Thursday, Tuesday, uh, March 17th. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all. Hope you uh, will uh, enjoy the holiday in whatever way you can now that we've all had plenty of restrictions put in place. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That's Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can um, join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting the show, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also join us on YouTube, YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville, where we were simulcasting the show. Um, I wouldn't say we have a ton to talk about tonight, but we certainly have a lot to talk about. Um, first and foremost, coming up later in the program, we are going to be your, you could say, exclusive home for the uh, NABC All-Star roster announcement. Again, game not being played, which is unfortunate, but we will at least tell you who was selected for that All-Star game. Of course, the caveat being there are still 16 teams playing. That might not have been the actual rosters that took the feet, uh, took the court, as it were, but nonetheless, still, uh, still a nice honor for those seniors from the NABC. So we'll release those here in a bit, and we'll talk to Pat Cunningham, uh, head coach, now uh, retired, from Trinity Texas Men's Basketball. We'll talk to him about uh, the selections, the uniqueness of this year, obviously what they tried to accomplish with their selections and whatnot. And then we'll talk to him about retiring, uh, the announcement coming. Uh, we've been trying to get Pat on the show for a couple of weeks and news in general, including uh, all the stuff we've been following in terms of uh, COVID and coronavirus and whatnot, cancellations and delays and no crowds and whatever have delayed us chatting with Pat, or I have a feeling we may have been talking about retirement here on the show, but that has been announced. He is retiring from Trinity, Texas uh, University. And uh, we will talk to him about that decision as well. And then coming up, uh, the guys have said they will, and we hope they will join us for a roundtable of sorts. Uh, talk about what's going on um, and so on and so forth. So looking forward to hearing what they have to say. Uh, from what I've been gathering, we will hear from Pat Coleman, Gordon Mann, Ryan Scott, and Bob Quillman all on the show together. At least that's the plan, as they say. So we'll hear from them. We'll talk about the new top 25s, the final ones of the season without a champion. The number ones have been crowned, as it were, at least something. We'll, uh, we'll look at those top 25s. On the men's side, five teams replaced, uh, took first place votes. On the women's side, three had first place votes. Um, a little bit of shakeup in the bottom, which you would expect with the uh, tournaments being played, and certainly on the men's side as well. We'll talk about that. All-region honors came out, not only for D3Hoops.com, but also NABC today. All-America will come out next week. Uh, I can't remember when the NABC releases theirs. It's always before ours, but with no tournament, I'm not sure what the timing on everything will be this week um, or in general on a lot of that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Uh, this will be our penultimate uh, video show for the season. We will be back on the air we're hoping with some audio broadcasts uh, that we'll put together uh, every month or so, starting maybe next month. Um, unfortunately, I've got a little bit too much time on my hands, hands now, and so uh, we will uh, hope to do that. Last year, we started to do it, and then as all of the fans here know, we, we kind of lost the studio uh, due to water damage, and we never were able to get it back on board. So... Um, 
We will hopefully do that this year. Certainly plenty to talk about. We were thinking about talking about the number one teams tonight. First off, we had already heard from uh, Brian Morehouse of Hope last um, show. He happened to call in, which was certainly lovely of him to do. And uh, so I didn't know about repeating that immediately. Um, and I, I just don't know where the final awards will go. I certainly don't want to make any assumptions. And, you know, gosh, if we named the, either number one team the coach of the year, then we're going to have them on maybe next week, too. So we're going to hold off on having any of the number ones on now. But as, as I've indicated before, we've got an opportunity with uh, podcasts to come to hear from them down the road. Uh, we reached out once again to the NCAA about having someone on, whether it be a Dan Dutcher or even a Mark Emmert, about um, the cancellations and the process and everything that was going on throughout. And uh, we've been basically told that uh, it's still a no-go on those requests. They, they're at least being respectful. They did send us an email with a, a quote, honestly not a quote worth bringing back up again. Um, but, uh, at the same time, it was, uh, at least nice that they're not ignoring us. Um, we, we reached out to said, Hey, even Mark Emmert's allowed, you know, not allowed. We'd love to have him on the show uh, president of the NCAA. Uh, he was quoted in the, uh, AP and there's been some stories today that I've read, uh, though not all of them about how it all came to be. There is one on, on ESPN, um, that I haven't read yet. I do want to read that one. Um, so we'll see. Sorry, just replying to a text message here that is pertinent to the show. Um, so it's not happening. I'm hoping at some point, one of our early podcasts will finally be able to talk about the decisions, not only to, to cancel the winter sports, but the spring sports as well. As much as we're a basketball show, the entire division was obviously affected. Um, so I, I, I will, we'll hopefully see at some point in time, an opportunity to have that conversation with people. And, and, and we certainly don't want to leave it, um, for not as it were, because I think the story would be interesting. I was talking to somebody today involved, um, at one of the sites that shut down early and, you know, that first weekend. And certainly they look better now. And, and, and again, I'll, I'll repeat what I said last time. And I, and I was talking with them and commiserating a little bit. You know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the fact they were closing the doors. It was whatever the hiccup was being. You know, at Amherst, it was this no one told anybody. And then all of a sudden, 90 minutes prior, and no, no fans have been alerted, they shut the doors. And suddenly fans are showing up with no idea that the doors are shut, no idea they can't get in to see the games. I mean, the team's basically getting absolutely no warning of that either. And at Johns Hopkins, while it certainly seemed to make sense because there was, well, the morning of now two cases related to the Yeshiva campus, and, and you just don't know, you know, fans-wise or even anybody else who may be in contact, um, it wasn't that we talked, we didn't talk frankly about that. That wasn't the frank part of it. The, the frank part was, hey, we now have cases in Maryland, so we're closing things down. And it just, you know, became a little convoluted. And I think because it was early on. But I gathered from talking to some of them that there were some frustrations coming from Indianapolis, or at least NCA in general. And remember, the NCA is members, um, membership, though in these cases, it's people who have been put in charge by members. And it seems like there was some 
confusion or a lack of, hey, you know, yeah, here, help you out, or maybe leaving them out to dry to some degree. I know we were certainly confused that first weekend. Um, that Sunday show where we got all the information about Amherst hosting a second time was a busy day trying to nail down information and nail down reasons. And um, I think there's going to be the one thing will we'll come out of this, certainly, is that we'll have learned how to do it better. Um, if we ever have to cross this bridge again. Now, the NCAA says they don't want to get in the way of schools who are making decisions that are best for their campuses, but I think the schools were also looking for some guidance. So it was an interesting times, to say the least, and, and here we find ourselves. All regions, as we mentioned, have come out. Number ones have come out. Certainly we'll be talking more about that down the road with our guys uh, on the show, and I look forward to having them on. I'm just double-checking because I, I indicated an email went out, but now I'm paranoid that email may not have gone out you know how that is right folks uh if you get you got questions for us tweet us at d3 hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3 hoops.com join us on facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville i say d3 hoops at d3 sports.com also on youtube youtube.com slash hoopsville uh coming up again we will we will introduce the all-star rosters for men's basketball for the nabc the game that should have been played this week coming up or should have been played. Um, yeah, coming up. That is the timing is right. Um, that game was to be played on Saturday as part ahead of the two semifinals in Fort Wayne. Of course, Fort Wayne also lost, by the way, the women's regional the next weekend that was supposed to take place there. Remember, regionals in Division One are the Sweet 16 weekend. We call them sectionals because we call the regionals the first weekend, as most do. Um. So we'll have the all-star roster selection announcement. Again, it's, it's about honoring these players for, for the opportunity that they obviously aren't going to have, but honoring them for what they've accomplished. And so we'll have that coming up. Women um, already announced theirs and then had their vote. So they announced their rosters and then had a vote. I'm not even sure how that vote turned out. I meant to, to look into it, and, uh, and I forgot. Um, so there you go. It's, it's to say the least, um, interesting in these times uh no sports being on I, i'm used to that a little bit um from you know 9 11 where we had a week off of sports essentially but there's other things to certainly talk about and not the coronavirus isn't worth talking about but we're gonna have a month here and it's a little odd maybe actually more than that two months um yeah so let's talk about the number ones. In the men's side, Swarthmore took the number one spot. They had 18 first-place votes. In the previous week, in the week leading into the NCAA tournament, they had 15, so they lost uh, two of those votes. St. John's had six first-place votes when things were getting tipped off for the NCAA tournament. They're down to one, but they stayed in second. Randolph-Macon had three. They fell to two. Uh, St. Thomas, who was in the fourth spot, stayed in the fourth spot, picked up a first-place vote. And Mount Union, who was in the fifth spot, moved up to or stayed in fifth but gained a bunch of points, and they picked up a couple of first-place votes. So Swarthmore won, St. John's two, Randolph making three, St. Thomas four, and then Mount Union five. Central sitting in the sixth spot up from 11. Um, I don't have them that high. I think they're good. I just didn't have them that high. Wittenberg ended up seven. Yeshiva jumped from 13th to 8th. Wash U went from 16th to 9th now. Elmhurst ended up finishing 10th, moving up from the 15th spot. Brockport finished 11th, moving up from 18. Johns Hopkins fell to 13th. Or I'm sorry, Platteville fell from 8th uh, 
down to 12th, and that has probably more to do with moving other teams up, not necessarily a negative reaction to Platteville. Uh, Johns Hopkins went from 6th to 13th. Nebraska Wesley went from 7th to 14th. Tufts went from 20th to 15th. Pomona Pitzer went from unranked to 16th. Christopher Newport went from unranked to 17th. Emory went from uh, 10th all the way down to 18. Whitworth went from unranked to 19th. Hobart went from unranked to 20th. Colby went from 12th to 21. Springfield went from 17 to 22. Oshkosh went from 24 up to 23. St. Joe fell from 14 down to 24. And Middlebury ended up rounding out the top 25. They fell to 25th from the 21st spot. Virginia Wesleyan, who didn't make the tournament, did not um, – well, they still kept some votes. They were 28 total points, but they fell out of the top 25. St. Norbert fell out of the top 25, which was a little surprised by. Lacrosse fell uh, out of the top 25, and so did York. Uh, my top 25 ended up looking with Swarthmore 1. I only spent one week without uh, Swarthmore as my number one. Randolph-Macon was my – oh, no, sorry. No, hold on. I moved St. John's up to 2. I moved Mount Union to 3. Mount Union the previous week for me was further down. Uh, where did I have Mount Union? Oh, no, Mount Union was five, so I moved them up to three. St. John's was three, moved them up to two. I moved Randolph-Macon down to four. Not a knock on them. It was more about St. John's and Mount Union. I moved Yeshiva all the way up to fifth. I had St. Thomas six, WashU seven, Wittenberg eight, Brockport nine, Nebraska Wesleyan ten, Johns Hopkins 11, Emory 12, Springfield 13, Platteville 14, Pomona Pitzer 15. I had North Central 16. Um... And then to round it out, St. Joseph, Elmer, St. Norbert, Christopher Newport, Whitworth Center, Tufts, Hobart, York was my top 25. On the women's side, uh, Hope stayed in control, essentially. They had 21 first-place votes the first time. They had 21 first-place votes this time. Hope, Tufts, Bowden basically didn't change. Uh, Tufts did lose some points. They went from 588 points down to five, or they actually gained them. I'm sorry, 578 to 588, and Bowden consolidated a bit, too. Um, and then it was Amherst, Baldwin Wallace in fifth, Whitman, Loris, Oglethorpe, Mary Harden, Baylor, Wartburg, uh, Wartburg falling from five, Mary Harden, Baylor jumping up from 14, uh, DePaul fell from four to 11, Bethel fell from six to 12, Trine jumped from 23 to 13, Whitewater fell from eight to 14, Messiah moved up to 15, Christopher Newport moved up to 16, George Fox jumped into the pole. Welcome back. Chicago stayed steady at 18. Texas Dallas moved up a couple. Scranton fell hard from 12 to 20. Trinity, Texas fell from 16 to 21. Transylvania from 15 to 22. Augsburg from 17 to 23. And then Smith and Williams entered the poll, having not been there pre- previously. DeSales, Austin, and St. Thomas fell out. So that rounded out your women's top 25. Really nothing overly shocking, I don't think, with that. Uh, we'll certainly get more of a sense from, from Gordon Mann. Uh, hats off to the the uh, players of the region, as it were. Now they set this sets up the uh, um, this sets up the uh, what do you call it? Um, all All Americas next week. Um, for the men's side in the Northeast, Jake Ross won from Springfield. In the East, it was Isaiah Brown from SUNY Potsdam. He had an incredible season. Ryan Terrell from Yeshiva won it from the Atlantic. In the Mid Atlantic, it was Connor Delaney out of Hopkins. From the south, it was Nate West out of Letourneau. From the Great Lakes, Nathan Bauer Malone from Mount Union. Out of the central, it was Jack Nolan from Wash U. And from the west, Nate uh, Shimowitz from Nebraska Wesleyan. On the women's side, 
Erica DeCandino De De from Tufts. East, it was Beth Bonin from Cortland. Tremendous season for Beth. Atlantic, it was Pace Lang from Kane. In the Mid-Atlantic, it was Lee Springer from Messiah. From the South, it was Rana Hughes from Texas-Dallas. The um, Great Lakes ended up being a co-choice. Good choice, because I think they were both really good. Sydney Kopp from the Paw and Kennedy uh, Schoenfeld from Hope. And Central was Hannah Frazier of Wheaton in the West, Tate Anderson from Bethel. All really good players. Of course, coaches were named. Rookies of the Year were named as well. It was, a, it was an excellent, across-the-board, all-region, to be honest. Uh, some really good players this year. <laughs> Just, it's we're full of talent and we've known that because of the of the lack of or the or the more parody even brian morehouse talking about the parody on the women's side uh in our interview with him last week the amount of parody we have is because we've got so much good talent and to be honest it, it's tough um i think there's some players who are really good who you might think should be higher but it's hard to replace players who are ahead of them uh, this will set up the All-America list for next week. Obviously, you've got to be an All-Region to be an All-America. And we'll, I say next week. Um, it's not official yet, but I believe it'll be coming out next week. Normally, we get them out before the championship game. On the women's side, that'd be Saturday. On the men's side with Atlanta, we, we waited because uh, the Atlanta game. But, you know, it's just not how it's going to play out. Um, I just saw a donation. I want to thank. We'll add it to the tote board. Uh, this will be the last night we tout it. We won't do it next show. Um, we kept it going because people asked. Our goal is 7,500. We have a PayPal link on our main page. We also have a give butter. That's just so that mainly some of you can donate via, um, uh, what is it? Venmo. So if you want to use Venmo, the give butter link is, is, is available there. Um, wouldn't mind making a little more dent in there if we can. Uh, any realignment news? There isn't really any realignment news at this time. We had that. Uh, I mean, there isn't anything to discuss yet. There isn't any meetings. We talked to Brad Bankston about a month or so ago about it. Uh, it had passed the, the uh, championships committee and now goes on to the management council. Management council doesn't meet until April. Um, assuming those meetings will take place and with conference calls and Zoom or Skype or whatever you want to use, those aren't that difficult to do. If the management council approves, it will be all hands on deck moving forward for the next 18 months. And we will see new re, uh, new regions because we'll have 10 of them in basketball coming for the 21-22 basketball season. Not for 2021, but for 21-22. That's when the new regions will come out. I've still not gotten my hands on yet the, um, the, uh, the look of what they may look like. They could still go through some tweaks, but I'm going to work on that here now that things have settled down. Also, by the way, Jostin's Awards, uh, usually named by now, I think because of the delay, they let the vote go a little bit longer. Um, I know I got my vote in over the weekend. Someone in a panic mode, but I think they're going to, I think they clean up the vote. I think it all wraps up tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, and then they will release the Jostin's Awards winner. Of course, remember, Jostin's is a mix of not only the best player on the floor, but also someone who's tremendous in the community along with uh, good in the classroom. Uh, I will not indicate my vote until we get it all done. And maybe next show we'll have the Justin winners as well. Uh, but thanks for the question there for someone who decided to create uh, a, uh, well, that's interesting. It's called the realignment report. It was joined. I think that someone changed that joined in March, 2015, but I have a feeling they changed their names, but that's a good question. Nonetheless. Uh, thank you for asking it. 
But yeah, no changes, uh, and there won't be. I mean, we had Brad on to talk about it. That's certainly a, a big step, but there's nothing else outside of that to talk about at this time um, regarding all that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I see some Facebook questions. Josh says, first we lose our AFL games together in Baltimore. Now no more Fort Wayne. Love what you're doing tonight and have been all season. Josh, thanks, buddy. Josh is a director-producer that I've worked with over a number of years in a many, many different sports. He was behind one of the uh, selection shows, by the way, folks. Uh, thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Um, we will be uh, on the air next week. Big show planned. I'm just not going to give it away until it's official. But stay tuned. We have uh, some, some bells and whistles and some fireworks to fire off next week with some more awards and honors and such. Um, it's fun to work with Josh. Great that he's tuned in. Don says, I believe the Augsburg was the only school in the final top 25 to not make the NCAA women's tournament. You might be right, sir. Uh, on the men's side, Virginia Wesleyan had been sitting there. They had made the tournament, um, had not made the tournament, and were sitting in 19th in that in that poll. Um, but now they're out and hadn't made it. I don't think there's anybody else on the men's side. I'm quickly looking at the men's side. Do, 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 do. Um, a lot of first round exits. Yeah, no, I think you're right, sir. I think you, I think Don is right. I think uh, Augsburg is the only one in there that didn't make the uh, tournament and is still in the poll. Again, Virginia Wesleyan, the previous week on the men's side, the, the poll going into the tournament after the brackets have been released, that poll did have them in there. Now, some voters had voted before the brackets had come out. There were some voters like myself who voted after the brackets came out. I still kept Virginia Wesleyan in both my ballots. Um, I just mentioned, didn't I, that I kept them in? Did I keep them in? That's a tremendous question. No, I removed them. Huh. I didn't mean to remove them. But I ended up doing it, mainly because I was trying to get others in. I saw a quote from Ryan Scott, and we'll talk to him later about it. He had 10 teams. He just absolutely expected to be in his top 25, didn't make it. Um, and I'm not surprised. Doesn't, doesn't shock me. I think moving forward with awards and polls was the right thing to do. Well, thank you, Mark. There was one person on Twitter who said otherwise. Um, I see someone, the NABC's replied to somebody. Oh, yeah. NABC tweeting, then he said, somebody replied, uh, basically because of the uh, virus, we're not playing the game, um, we're just announcing the uh, brackets, so, uh, not the brackets, but the rosters, because we want to recognize these players, uh, that for what they've done, they would have made the tournament, the women had already announced it, they had announced it last Thursday, I think, or somewhere around their Wednesday, and then had their vote, we had the vote, and then we're going to announce the, the rosters, it's just different ways of skinning this game, same cat, as it were, um, so the game won't be played, which is unfortunate. was looking forward to it, but uh, especially some of these players. But granted, not all of them would have been there. I think you know, with eight teams getting to, to Fort Wayne, that certainly makes the All-Star thing a little bit more challenging. But, um, yeah. Well, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will uh, go into those, those uh, ballots, as it were. I was going to do a really cool um, process to this whole thing and show off all the tricks of the trade, as it were, and show how they're being revealed but uh we're going to uh probably keep it a little bit simpler this time we'll just show you the two teams also show you the coaches who will be coach who are to coach these teams we'll have that coming up here on the show and then we'll talk to pat cunningham the head coach soon to be well i guess no longer he's retired from trinity texas but he's a board director member of the nabc we'll talk to him about the selection process and most importantly we'll talk to him about retirement you listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Before we go to break, we want to thank our, our partners 
especially, uh, who have helped us out, especially late in this season. Starts with Sensible Sports Marketing. If you're looking for a promotional product or apparel, Sensible Sports Marketing has the largest selection in college athletics. If you can dream it, they can do it. From game day giveaways to premium door gifts and more. Give them a visit at GetSportsSense.com or call them at 1-800-575-4765. You can also check out Sport Tours International at www.sporttours.net. If you're looking to make a trip with your team sometime in the future to Europe, South America, or Costa Rica, especially after this coronavirus has settled down. Or are you looking for a tournament? There's the Daytona Shootout uh, before Christmas. Uh, and then there's a D3Hoops.com Classic in Las Vegas after Christmas. Get Check out Sport Tours International. Find out how you can... Make those arrangements through our friends there at Sport Tours. And then Capital Elite Agency, prepare to advance. Check them out online at www.capitaleadagency.com or on Twitter at Cap Elite Agency. Cap Elite Agency is their Twitter account. If you are a coach, assistant coach, whoever, looking to take to the next step or, or advance your career, check out Capital Elite Agency for that next step. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk about the NABC all-star rosters in Division Three basketball. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Plenty more Hoopsville ahead. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbine. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. 
We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Oops, everybody. Just got an email. <laughs> Absolutely outstanding. We'll try and figure out how to get this on the air, but uh, Berker uh, Copland <laughs> is at the beach, uh, has the phone out, listening to the show, hoping to hear his name maybe called for something here tonight. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you for sending the pick. We will try and uh, maybe show that a little bit later. If you got questions for us or you've got um, uh, a, a picture to share, whatever the case may be, uh, be sure to do it uh, via email, hoopsilla, d3hoops.com. You can also uh, tweet us at, uh, D, well, at d3hoopsilla and hashtag hoopsilla. Um, again, the email is hoopsilla, d3sports.com. I don't, I, I keep, I'm trying to adjust to the new way, and it's been a, been a rough way. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show. or on YouTube, youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. So, um, we've been talking about, um, uh, any conference news, uh, same guy asking, I'm assuming you're asking about the CACACAA thing. I'll just say this much. Nothing's changed from what we had earlier and no one's told me I'm wrong. So you go do with you, which we have a lot of downtime to maybe chase some of that stuff. Um, but it hasn't been a priority for the last month or so as we've been focused on the tournament. All right, so again, the NABC All-Star Game usually takes place this week, and it's always a fun event that's been around for just a little bit of time now. We've gotten pretty used to it. The women started up. They had their, we're going to have their second event this year, and on the men's side, it's been uh, pretty much a, a, a part of the championship weekend now, and we certainly were looking forward to seeing um, who those teams would be and, and who would be involved and all the excitement that would be involved. Of course, it didn't happen, but doesn't mean we don't want to recognize the seniors and working with our friends um, at, at the NABC, whether they're at the home office or they're in Division Three ranks, we were able to uh, make it happen that we could announce those uh, rosters ourselves here. And in a short bit, Pat Cunningham will join us to discuss these teams um, and the selection process and all of that jazz here with with how they put it together um and of course he's retiring so we'll also talk to him about that but more importantly let's get to these all-star rosters the most important part 
uh, to say the least, would have to be the coaches. Uh, the two teams are going to be coached by Jim Daffler and Mark Edwards. Daffler come, had 40 years in athletics, 18 seasons coaching at four different schools, finishing up his time at Westminster, where he became athletics director. He was the 2015 NABC Outstanding Service Award winner. He was also served for four years on the National Committee in the 2008-2009 season. He was actually the committee chair for the Division Three Men's Committee. would love to chat with him now about what he would have had to deal with that um, Sam Atkinson and the rest had to deal with, to say the least. Uh, the other team, coached by Mark Edwards, 37 years at his alma mater, Wash U, 685 victories. Came a hard time for finishing 15 short of 700. He won back-to-back -back national championships in 2008-2009, and he was a three-time national coach of the year. So uh, pretty good coaching rosters, to say the least, and we congratulate those two gentlemen for the opportunity they would have had. We'll talk about maybe... Um, <laughs> talk about uh, whether he uh, whether they'll be back for another round as it were Don Stoner mentions uh, hopefully uh, Booker is practicing proper social distancing while at the beach he's on I believe he is sir from the picture I saw he's a pretty good distance off from everybody so uh, we, we I will say that that is most likely the case um, all right so let's see here let's talk about the first team we're doing this in alphabetical order so as a result, um, Coach Daffler's team is the first one on the docket. And for Team Daffler, we have Sammy Robinson, the 6'5 guard from St. John Fisher. He's a Cedarhurst, New York native, and he was the Empire 8 Player of the Year. He's joined by Nate West, the 5'10 guard from Letourneau from Houston, Texas. He was the ASC East Division Player of the Year. Also joined there by Riley Thompson, six-foot guard from Ithaca. He's a, uh, out of Newtown, Pennsylvania. He was an all-Liberty first-team selection. Riley Collins, the guard from Drew. Lacey, New Jersey native, landmark player of the year. I got to watch him quite a bit. Not too bad a talent. None of these gentlemen really are. Jacob Bates, the forward out of center, the LaGrange, Kentucky native. He was the SAA player of the year this year. On the right side, you have number 22, Jake Ross, the guard, 6'5", out of Springfield, Northampton, Massachusetts. Native was the NUMAC Athlete of the Year. Kenna Gilmore, the guard, 6'4", from Hamilton. He's uh, out of New Paltz, New York. He was an all-NESCAC all first-team selection. Of course, remember last year he was a NESCAC Player of the Year as well. Booker, I hope you're listening. You're on this sheet. You're a 6'3 guard from Augsburg. He's the Mayak co-player of the year. We had a couple of those this year. The Minnesota native looking good on the beach, and I hope he's enjoying the fact that he made this roster. Connor Raritan, the Ford 6'6", out of North Central, the CCIW's most outstanding player out of Plainfield, Illinois, is on this roster. And rounding out Team Daffler, one of the D3Hoops.com fan vote winners, it's Doug Levy, the Ford 6'7", out of John Jay. He's a CUNYAC player of the year out of Smithtown, New York. So those are your first 10 players who would have been playing for Team Daffler. Now you'll notice there were a number of those who are still playing in the tournament. How that impacts things, I don't know. But certainly uh, some of these players were not still playing and would have been obviously shoe-ins. Others were still taking place, taking part in the tournament and whatnot. Let's switch to Team Edwards. For Team Edwards, it starts with number five, Jared Wagner, the 6'1 guard out of York, Pennsylvania. He went to York College of Pennsylvania. He was a CAC Player of the Year. 
He's joined by Nate Shimowitz, the 6'4 guard out of Nebraska Wesleyan. The ARC most valuable player was from Omaha, Nebraska. They're joined by Brian Cameron, the 6'1 guard out of Wesley. He's the AEC player of the year this year, scored something like 2,300 points in his career. He's from Newark, Delaware. Uh, Nathan Bauer Malone from Mount Union, 5'10 guard, was the OAC player of the year out of Stowe, Ohio. And Adam Favorite, uh, one of the rare forwards on these teams, 6'8 from Oshkosh, the Marshfield, Wisconsin native, was a WIAC co-player of the year. His other co-player of the year, the other guy on this team, Connor Volker, 6'3 guard out of Plat- UW-Platteville. He was the WIAC co-player of the year with Favorite. He's out of Keele, Wisconsin. And Randall Walco, the 6'5 guard out of the College of New Jersey. He was the NJAC player of the year for the Somerville, New Jersey native. They're joined by Daniel Hempe, the 6'5 guard from Worcester. He's from Waldo, Ohio, and he was the NCAC player of the year. Derek DeVries, the 6'5 forward from Calvin, Grand Rapids, Michigan native. He was the MIA most valuable player. And then rounding out the team, he was a D3Hoops.com fan vote winner himself as well. Number 42, Tim Wendell, the 6'7 forward from Crown. He's from uh, Uruguay, but he was also the UMAC Player of the Year. So almost every single one of these were um, uh, Players of the Year in their respective conferences. There were two that were not, uh, Coplin and Thompson on Team Daffler. Uh, but as you can, as you can probably imagine, uh, those conferences had some pretty good players. I think some juniors won Players of the Year in those conferences, so not – not a knock on them whatsoever. So there you are. Congratulations to those fine gentlemen, the 20 who were selected to the uh, NABC uh, Reese's Division Three All-Star rosters. Again, not being able to play in that, but we certainly want to make sure they get the recognition they deserve. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to discuss all this, a man who certainly knows all about putting these rosters together. It's Pat Cunningham, the Trinity, Texas uh, now retired head coach. We'll get more about that down the road. But, Pat, um, I know you guys worked really hard on this, and I know things couldn't have gotten any easier for you. But what do you think of the rosters you guys put together? Well, thanks, Dave, for, for doing all this. Uh, it's uh, – yeah, I think, you know, I think you highlighted it with when you said that, uh, you know, I think it's 18 of the 20 or 17 of the 20 players were players of the year in their conference. And, and what a great group of athletes and basketball players uh, – uh, we were able to put together uh, uh, for this. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's quite a process. As you mentioned, I think early on as you're starting this thing is that I think it's been 12 or 13 years now that we've been doing it. Um, and I know you were part of it when uh, when we started a long time ago. Um, but it, it seems to get better and better, and, and uh, the players seem to get better and better. So, uh, you know, it, it's a disappointment, as you mentioned, that these guys won't be able to get on the court because – I got to tell you that our the uh, the nominating committee and and our uh, all star game committee as we looked at this group it was like oh my gosh what a fun group to be able to see on the court performing unfortunately that will not be able to happen yeah it's unfortunate it won't happen but you're right an outstanding group of players uh, to, when you guys put this together of course interesting because some of them are still playing that wouldn't have been the normal course how difficult was it going to be this year because you had eight teams you only had done this one other time where you had eight teams still playing when you were going to have to pull the, the All-Stars. I assume that made it difficult this year, but at the same time, a little bit easier this time because you were able to take some guys who, who would have been maybe playing in Fort Wayne. You said it exactly right. You know, uh, 
as it turned out, uh, once they canceled the game, we were able to go from that point. Uh, and, you know, some people may say, well, there are people missing from this list uh, that they may think should be on there. But, but one of the things, Dave, one of the things on that, Dave, is that, you know, uh, we, the nominating committee puts together in each region, we've got eight people, uh, one in each region who helped to, to put this list together. And, and Thad McCracken out of Hendricks College is the chair of the nominating committee, and he oversees that and, and really does a great job of, of putting the list together. And, and then there's a couple of things that can happen. One is, you know, uh, it, it, this isn't an NABC, NABC event. It, it is paid for and sponsored by the NABC. And, and so the coaches have to be members. Mm-hmm. of the NABC. And occasionally there's, there comes a time when, when the coach is not a member of the NABC and their player is not able to play in it. And, you know, that's really unfortunate. Uh, and we try to promote as much as we can for coaches, especially when they have good seniors, to just be a member of, the, of, of our organization sure. so their, their player can be doing. And then the second thing that can happen is, you know, once uh, once we get our list together, then then that nominating committee goes goes out and makes sure and, and checks with with those players and make sure that they, if they are not playing, uh, if they get eliminated from the tournament, will they want to play in, in our all-star game? And, and occasionally there's, there's a player who may have a previous commitment that if he is out of the tournament, uh, you know, uh, would prefer to go to that and do that. It might be a family event. It might be, you know, it could be all kinds of things that, that could happen. So once in a while we'll have players who will decline our invitation to play um, and so they may not be on, on this list, and that can happen in any year, not only this year. You must be reading our uh, our chat rooms and some of our uh, video rooms because uh, already one person saying, well, geez, the person who's leading the scoring well, first off, in, in the country should be on that list. First off, you've got to be a senior. Second of all, as yeah. you said, you've got your coach has got to be a member of the NABC, and I don't want to make any assumptions. I don't know who is who. and that, But that has come up for you guys on occasion, has it not? It has, and it's a rare occasion, Dave. But but it has happened, and and you know, as members of the NABC, as, as a board of directors, we try to, as I say, uh, get out to as many uh, you know of our members as we can to encourage them, especially when, uh, as I say, when they have good seniors, to make sure they're a member of our organization. Uh, and, and it happens. I, I, you know, I, I don't know the exact number, but I would say, you know, every couple of years it'll come up with one, uh, one, one, one of our uh, nominations who are not eligible. Sure. Or one of, a great player is not eligible. And then, as I said, the other part of that equation uh, on a list could be a player had a, a prior commitment, so mm-hmm. declined that invitation, and, and so they don't show up on this list. I'm not assuming anything, Booker. I know you're watching the show. You're at the beach right now. I'm not assuming you were planning on being at the beach this week <laughs> with this nomination, <laughs> considering you're on the rosters. But uh, we know Booker Coughlin is is enjoying things at the beach now, and, and that has happened. Certainly guys put a lot of money into trips that they're doing, or there's educational things or whatever uh, that pop yep. up. Hey, let me take a quick sidetrack. Let's go back to the coaches. I want to bring them back up on the screen if we can. Uh, Jim Daffler, uh, who was at Westminster, but he was also at Marietta and Bethany and Mary and, and uh, I'm forgetting one. Um, I'll remember it here in a minute. Uh, 40 years in athletics, 18 in coaching, NABC Outstanding Service Award winner. He was going to be one of your coaches. And, of course, the great Mark Edwards, 37 years at his alma mater at Wash U, basically built that program with 685 wins. Tell us a little bit about the decision with these two gentlemen. Well, so, so Dave, as you all know, uh, when we started this uh, 12, 13 years ago, uh, we made the decision to at least initially start with past winners, uh, uh, outstanding service award winners, uh, to come back and coach the game. And, and it's, been, it's been a great uh, 
uh, experience for us getting coaches who are out of, out of it and back uh, back in uh, uh, to coach the game and, and see them and get involved with them. So so that that's been fun. Uh, the, the other part of that is uh, you know again uh, Jim Jim Daffler was on the committee. Uh, um, when uh, uh, the basketball committee, as you mentioned, he was the chair when, when myself and, and Charlie Brock were also on the committee and, and when we put this all-star game together at that time. Um, and is just a great friend and a, a, uh, was a great coach and a great ambassador for the game for basketball and still is. Um, so he, uh, we've tried to get him a couple of years to, to, to coach it, and he was available this year. And then uh, Mark Edwards, uh, you know, again, speaks for itself, uh, uh, is an outstanding service award winner and, and you know, had some great years at WashU. I was fortunate to coach against him for many years, and uh, many of those, uh, whatever that was, 670 wins, uh, came against me when I was at Chicago and a few when I was at Trinity. So um, uh, not many of his losses uh, uh, show up on uh, his Door. But uh, two two really good coaches. Uh, we're hopeful that uh, um, you know uh, we haven't made that decision yet. But but it's there is some precedent. Uh, uh, next year to, to actually coach the game. Uh, that's a decision and conversations that we'll have moving forward. And uh, you know to let them have that experience. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the players being seniors won't. That, that won't happen, but the coaches, we, we, we may be able to do that, which would be a, a great thing for us and a great thing, for, I think, for those two as well. Uh, yeah, I know some people were wondering about that. By the way, it was Mount Union. That's where Daffler was also coach. He also played at Capitol. I, I couldn't remember it, and I want to uh, thank those who, who reminded me. Um, very much a Great Lakes guy. Um, some others are reminding me he also was the chair for that famous bracket of death, but we can move on. Um, <laughs> things have changed a little bit since those days. Um, I, I back to the players again. Obviously, it's it's unfortunate the game wasn't going to take place. Do, at what point do you guys, I don't want to say give up, but at what point did you guys realize this, this wasn't even going to happen? Even if we were going to play, let, let's just say for argument's sake, Pat, that the, that the, Fort Wayne games are going to still take place. I had a gut feeling you guys were maybe looking at maybe not being able to put this together anyway. Well, it, we could putting it together would not have been the issue per se, but but I think early on, Davis, you well know that there was talk of of I think early on of not allowing fans uh, into the games. That was the initial uh, uh, direction that they were headed, and and uh, just you know keep personnel being there. And and I think once those conversations started. Um, then, then I think uh, the, actually playing the All Star Game uh, that started to move in the, in, into the background, uh, you know, uh, and, and not that it's not important at all, but but obviously the focal point of, uh, of that, that weekend, which would have been coming up this weekend, uh, would have been on the NCAA games. That's the focal point of it, and that's where you know uh, we're, we're kind of a sideshow to it, but uh, a sideshow that I think the players love and, and enjoy. But but I think the, the, that. I think early, not early on, but but once they started talking about that, I, th I think the inkling was there that uh, this may not happen. Um, and then you know we kept for we kept moving forward with our process. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, oh, it, it would have been really really hard uh, uh, this year, uh, especially in some of the regions, um, because of pl uh, teams still playing and having eight teams, as you mentioned, going to uh, Fort Wayne. Uh, there would there would be twice as many players. Theoretically, and, and in any given year, it could be more than that, uh, who would not be available um, because they 
great team but still be playing. Yeah. So, and as you as you look at this list uh, into the round of sixteen, a number of them were still playing. Uh, and and had had the game moved forward at that point, obviously those players would not be on this list. Um, but but because we're not playing the game, we we're able to 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 look at everybody who uh, was still in, in the in the pipeline. Sure, uh, give us a sense of of who was involved in Division Three to put this all together. Um, well, you know, it, it starts with our all-star game committee, and 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 it's the NBC board members. You know, uh, Charlie Brock, who is our past president, uh, uh, he, he and uh, Paige Boyer started this uh, uh, back. At, well, they were both on the board back in uh, uh, 12 years ago, whatever year that would have been, uh, 2008, 2009, somewhere in there, um, where where the first game happened, and then uh, Paige obviously has since moved off the board, and and uh, Gary. Um, uh, 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 from uh, Stevenson, yeah, Stewart, uh, uh, Stewart, yeah, um, is, is on the board, and, and uh, uh, myself, and then Mike McGrath uh, is the. Interesting enough, we've got we're only supposed to have two Division Three members on the NABC board, but because Charlie's the past president, and some issues with when Gary moved from Division One to Division Three, we, we have a little bit more representation of Division Three on the board. So, so the four of us are, are on that committee, and then we have a number of guys that. Uh, have been with us since the beginning. Um, Dan Priest, uh, uh, you know, from Kenyon, he he's uh, he's on uh, on the committee. Has been since the beginning. Uh, Jody May from Albion has been on it. I think uh, shortly came on. Mike McGrath did the nominating committee at, at the first year or two, and then Jody May took over that quickly, uh, doing that job. Um, and and now Thad McCracken has moved into that position. So uh, Jody's on there. Thad uh, McCracken is on there from Hendricks. Um, um, Jared Samples from uh, from the University of Dallas uh, is also on there uh, on the on the committee. So um, and and uh, you know it's it's everybody has a job to do, and there's a lot of us that do it. Uh, Bill Raleigh was on for a number of years. He's since moved into athletic director, and is kind of his responsibility has kind of moved him off. And, and Jared Samples has kind of moved on. Uh, into the committee from, from Bill's standpoint. Sure. So, um, you know, there's a number of guys that do a lot of work, uh, to put this together and, and, uh, um, you know, it's a of And the last one that, that I shouldn't, you know, because he does the most work is Jeff Gorski. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's a stalwart. He he does a lot of the travel arrangements. He does a lot with the rosters, and and I, I'm telling you, he's just uh, he, he does an awful lot of it uh, putting this all together. And is it, you know just been really really good. He I think he's been doing it now four or five years mm. uh, at least uh, to help us. So uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I <laughs> think that's everybody you know. that's on it. They'll let yeah, you know. They'll... Don't worry. They'll, they'll send <laughs> yeah, you a text. Uh, by yeah. the way, Bill Raleigh told me a few weeks back that he wasn't going to make it to Fort Wayne this year due to other circumstances. I sh- we should have known. We should have known that was the warning sign that nothing was going to work right. Uh, Bill Raleigh threw up the... By the way, uh, Pat Coleman reminds us, 2009 was the first game, uh, the Sean Thank Wallace you. year. Um, uh, he says it's fun to watch those guys still interacting, uh, those all-stars interacting on, on Facebook and Instagram and, and whatnot. Uh, I remember it was either the first game or the second game when you guys, you guys still held, um, held positions for the semifinalists who lost that their seniors yeah. could take part, and the two Guilford guys were there, um, and <laughs> they're both in the coaching now. And you guys split them on the opposite teams, and one of them accidentally inbounded the ball to his to his teammate who, who wasn't on his team. 
for an easy two points. Um, I think that's when things, when we realized maybe this wasn't the best solution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, we were uh, for a number of reasons uh, to get it going. I, I remember those days as well. And we had, I think we had uh, that year, one, one of the teams uh, only had, had a limited number of seniors and uh, uh, one of the seniors uh, playing, he may have had a career high in the all-star game. He, he just lit it up in front of you know, <laughs> him. They were both they were both from the ODAC, <laughs> yes. uh, interesting enough, and, yep. and uh, or in that area, and, and uh, just it was exciting to with the crowd and, and all those things. And oh yeah. So, and, oh, the and that time we had we yeah we had a uh, um, I think it was a, a sixteen man roster. Yeah, you're and right. Then, and yep. Then, and then we and then we introduced the uh, the. Uh, uh, online voting uh, uh, a number of years later, and, and we moved it to 18, and then uh, and now we we added at large to have 20, which you know it's nice to honor more more seniors uh, now than we did at that time. Absolutely but agree. To get it going, yeah. To yeah. get it going, we were kind of you know uh, we're trying to uh, do it as cost effectively, and and you know as you well remember, it was the year that the uh, the the uh, third place game. Uh, the, the TV moved the uh, championship game to one o'clock, so they were going to yes. have to play the third place game at ten a.m. <laughs> after a uh, uh, you know getting off the floor at ten o'clock the night before, and and nobody wanted to do that, so it kind of opened the door for the All Star game, and it was such a success that we've been able to keep it going. I'll so, let you go with that story. I think the other story <laughs> was that the previous year's game was third place game was pretty abysmal. Um, but we'll let you go with your version. I, I like your version. I, I'm sticking with my story. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm absolutely sticking with it because that's because uh, that I have a coach, driving force behind it. <laughs> I have a coach yeah. to blame for that, but I'll keep my mouth uh, quiet. There for you now. go. Um, Pat yeah. says it was a Randolph Macon guy who was uh, or that's player. who it was. That's who yep. it was. Yep. So I, I had yep. my years backwards. Um, I'll take this opportunity. Uh, any final thoughts on that before I'm just going to immediately transition into into what else we wanted to talk about? Any other thoughts about the All Star Game you want to make sure people people know about? Uh, I don't have anything off the top of my head. If anybody has any questions or thoughts, uh, be more than happy to entertain them. But, but again, it's we're looking forward to uh, being able to get back on the court next year and, and do this again. Yeah. And, and we're just happy that we're able to honor these guys. And hopefully, not hopefully, I know the NABC is is going to do something uh, uh, to help honor these guys, yeah. uh, um, uh, whatever that might be. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're talking about that now, but getting getting them something to to commemorate, uh, you know, they're being chosen and awesome. being a part of this group. So I yeah. say you bring these twenty back. You take next year's twenty. And we make a real game out of it. <laughs> nah, that might that might that would be interesting. That would be interesting to say, say the least. Some, some of these guys might be out of shape by then. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> uh, who knows? Send them to the TBT. Yeah. We'll take over the TBT with these teams. Um, hey, let me switch uh, gears here. Um, I want to thank uh, the NABC, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but I want to switch gears. Uh, the news coming out, you're retiring as head coach at Trinity, Texas, uh, where I've certainly known you most of your time. I know you're not always at Trinity, but you're the all-time winningest coach there. You were also an associate uh, athletics director for compliance. Bless you, sir. Um, <laughs> you were also at University of Chicago in Manchester, Indiana before that. You've got over 500 wins. You got that earlier this year in 33 seasons. Uh, I get the sense that you may not be done. You may find something else to do, but uh, it, it you finally decided it, it was time to hang up the whistle for now? Well, uh, honestly, Dave, it's, it wasn't my choice uh, uh, per se. Um, I understand why Trinity did what they did, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm ready to move forward and find something uh, uh 
uh, to do here. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I won't say too young, but, but uh, I've got too much energy. And, and, uh, and now that the uh, stock market has crashed, I can't afford to retire. So you put those things together and, and uh, I, I'm going to have to find something. I'm not sure what that will be, but, you know, uh, God has a plan. And, and uh, moving forward, we'll find out what that is and, and figure out what I can do here uh, for at least a couple of years moving sure. forward. Well, your wife doesn't want you hanging around the house, so you better go find something to do. Well, she's still going to work for a couple of years, so there's no way I'm staying at home if she's, uh, <laughs> if she's out there working. So, yeah. Uh, let me put it this way. She was, we were talking uh, uh, to another uh, coach, athletic director, who was thinking about retiring, and, and his wife was there, and as she, she was alluding to the honeydew list that she was putting together when he decided to retire. I'm not very handy, so I better get out working. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, your house looks to be in good shape, so I don't think you need to worry about it too much. That's right. You've been here, my friend. I you have. Your, your hospitality uh, is oh. awesome. Um, I'm curious. Obviously, the last few years, to be blunt, I know they weren't the teams you wanted to put together. I know you've got a high standard for yourself. Did that kind of wear on you at all, or, or is it is this kind of giving you a motivation to maybe try and prove yourself? Well, I, I, I don't, not the second part of it sure. myself. I, you know, it's, it's about, it's more about the kids and that, yeah. it, as you say, it's, we haven't had the success uh, win losses on the court that we had, you know, my first 15 years uh, here. And, and there's a number of reasons for it. And, and uh, you know, the other part of that is, you know, I, I will say this is that last year was a hard year coaching wise for me and, and uh, but but I tell you what, this year was just a joy. The group the group we had were uh, uh, really really unbelievable. It was a young group, but but had great enthusiasm and and uh, uh, were uh, you know were uh, lit, uh, were su- uh, subjective to coaching and and uh, you know did what you asked them to do and and you know we didn't win as many as we would have hoped to, to do, but but it was a fun group to coach and you know I think they're going to have some success moving forward. So you know. I, I think, you know, whether it's in coaching or whether it's in sports or whether it's something else, uh, you know, I'm not sure what that's going to be, Dave, but but I'm looking to find something. I want to see you and and nothing against Coach Daffler, but you and Mark Edwards going at each other in the All-Star game. I don't think you two could hold back and treat that like an All-Star game. I think Mark and I would probably just sit together and uh, have, have a good time talking and let those guys play because well, there's not a whole lot of coaching you have to do with those guys. Those Fair. pretty good talent. I <laughs> wanted to use a picture, by the way, that they have on your page. Uh, they sent it to me, but I wasn't able to use it. You wearing a Snoopy tie. Uh, sir, I love it. Uh, I, oh, that's that was, outstanding. That was the suits and sn- uh, sneakers can- yep. uh, can- uh, coaches for cancer awareness. And uh, this year was a special. I was, you know, uh, to, to share with you is, you know, diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer uh, a couple of years ago. And yeah. So um, I'm in, in the process of, of uh, getting treated and, and uh, dealing with that. So uh, this year's Coaches for Cancer Week was a little bit more impactful mm-hmm. for me than it has been in past years. But, but it's a great cause, and, and uh, I enjoy it. I don't wear ties very often, so the Snoopy basketball tie is uh, an old favorite to bring out of the Perfect. I love it. It's yeah. perfect. I got a Mickey Mouse one, but it doesn't do near as much justice as yours does there. Um, you've gotten some. You've gotten a number of awards too in your time. Guardian of the Game from the NABC back in 2011. Uh, you've also gotten the Advocacy Award. Um, you've been on the Men's Basketball Committee two tours. You got wrangled in for a second uh, at one point, as you mentioned. Been on very much involved with the NABC and the Board of Directors. 
Very much you have been the person I've always thought of is always trying to better the game and, as you said, make it better for the student-athletes. What do, you, what do you think of what you've tried to do for the game? Well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. And, and that's, you know, there's a number of us uh, in coaching. Uh, there's a lot of us in coaching who, who, who try to do that. I know, you know, NABC being on the board of directors is, is an honor, and, and, and it's nice to be, a, 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 you know, an advocate for the game and, and to, to try to promote basketball at all levels, you know, uh, and that's what we do. And, you know, the, um, you know, the, you know, being on the, uh, the championship committee, the basketball committee, um, uh, a number of years ago really opened my eyes to just how the process works and, and how hard those coaches on that committee work to, to do the right thing. And, and, you know, I've continued to try to help people along those lines. And, and, uh, you know, and I think this all-star game committee, uh, and what we do with it, uh, trying to uh, promote that is, you know, we've gotten a number of people involved and, and that's, that again is, uh, you know, uh, it's a labor of love uh, for a lot of us. So, you know, uh, we do what we can. Uh, we all try to do service uh, in, in, in some s- small ways. But, you know, my hope is always that the, the game will be better once I'm out of it than, than <laughs> when I came into it. No, that's certainly a good goal. Um, any, any memory that, you, that sticks out and resonates the most? You know, I, the the, news, uh, the student newspaper did a story a couple a couple of weeks ago, and and this was before retirement. But but it, it's an interesting question, and you know, it's I, I couldn't I couldn't just single one out. It's like yeah. there's there's so many memories. It's you know whether it be it, it's it's amazing when you ask the question. It immediately goes to players and what they've done since they've graduated, you know, from, from Manchester college, you know, I, I just got a, a, an email from a parent, uh, uh, who, who was from Illinois and the son went to uh, Manchester college and, you know, uh, thanking me uh, and, uh, re- remembering his son being there and, and it's still a conversation with him to, you know, the university of Chicago, uh, my oldest sister, Mike McGrath, uh, being there and, and we converse all the time about alums and what they're doing and, and just all the great things that they're doing. And, and then here at Trinity, there's uh, just a lot of guys in the 21 years who, you know, still come to the game, still, put, you know, uh, you know, get together every summer. As you talked, as Pat Coleman talked about the all-star guys still, uh, you know, connecting on Facebook and that it's, it's amazing, you know, former players and, you know, groups of players and, and how they stay together and, and, and how they've grown and become young adults and come back to the games with their kids. And, you know, those, are, those are the memories that stick, you know, you, you some of the losses will stick with you. Some of the few of the wins, but but overall, it's it's about people and things they've done and and the memories you have of them. And and uh, you know they'll come back and tell stories of things they did that I had no idea they were doing. And you know they'll, <laughs> they'll come back and tell stories of things and make fun of things that we did and things that I forgot that we did, whether it be at practices or on the road trips or what have you not. So you know that's that's the fun part of what we do here, what I do, what I've done. And, and, uh, that's, that's just, you know, and, and any coach who's been in it for a while will probably tell you the same thing. Sure. Yeah. I was a little worried. You might mention some trips in the vans, but, uh, <laughs> across Texas, but, uh, I'll go with their, your version. It's much better. Um, yeah. Pat, I could talk to you forever. You know that I love catching up with you. That's the only the really big downfall with Fort Wayne is not catching up with a lot of you guys. Uh, as I always do um, on the weekend of the championships. But I appreciate you guys coming, you coming on, especially not only to talk about these NABC selections. I want to also thank you guys for letting us announce those teams, but also want to thank you to come on and, and talk about 
um, where your career is, and, and maybe we'll see you back. But I appreciate it nonetheless, sir. Um, as always, we give the guests, though, the final word. Any final thoughts you Dave, want to share those tuned in? Yeah, Dave. You know, uh, one, we've been friends for a long time, and, and I, I, too, have enjoyed the many conversations, uh, uh, many arguments, many discussions, <laughs> many just, uh, uh, you know, uh, shoulders grabbing each other's shoulders. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun, and I'll, I'll continue to be involved. So, you know, th- those friendships and your friendship is, it means a lot to me, and, and you've been great for the game. Uh, you, I don't want to blow your, to your horn too much, but, but it's what you guys do, at, uh, you know, you at Hoopsville and then Pat at uh, um, uh, T3 Hoops. It's, you know, it, it, really, it really, really, really has helped the game of basketball in Division Three in particular. And, and as coaches, we, I certainly appreciate all that goes on and is done and, and uh, you know, what you guys try to do. And, you know, that, that, that's the fun thing about, about it. And, you know, uh, I lost my train of thought uh, from there, but but basically, you know, my 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 biggest thing is is we will see you down the road, my friend, and and uh, you know, I, I probably should give a shout out if anybody has a job that they need somebody, uh, give me a holler. <laughs> anybody who's wearing wants a guy wearing a Snoopy tie, he's available. Exactly, exactly. That's old and washed up, but yeah. that's good. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it, sir. Thanks again. Uh, we will be in touch. I know we'll talk often. Take care of yourself. Don't drive your wife crazy too much. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing where you end up. Most importantly, I look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thank you, my friend. All right. Pat Cunningham joining Thank us you. on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Uh, you know, disappointed he's retiring from Trinity, but I get the feeling we're we're not done with him. We'll we'll see him pop up somewhere, or at least stay involved, and that's the most important part. I really want to thank the, Pat Cunningham, uh, Mike McGrath. Uh, he he named the rest of the guys there: Thad McCracken, Jody May, uh, and others who allowed us to announce the All Star rosters. Usually, those are done because they need to get them done with with travel and all. Uh, this is a different year, and so we have an opportunity to do it. That was one of the reasons we pushed to tonight, to be honest. Uh, I want to thank all of those, including those at the NABC, Wade and Stephanie and others who allowed us to do that. Really appreciate it. It was fun to do, and I thank you, and uh, hope everybody, um, congratulations to those of you who, who made it. I, I apologize to any of those who didn't. I didn't have anything to do with it, but uh, you all still had tremendous careers that can only name so many. Same with all Americans and same with all regions. So you just can't name them all. But uh, thanks to the NABC and, and our friends in Division Three for that opportunity. We'll take a break. When we come back, I will be joined by the gang, as it were, for a roundtable. On the docket, supposedly, will be Pat Coleman, Ryan Scott, Gordon Mann, and Bob Quillman to recap the year. We'll throw some questions at them, see what they have to say, and we'll round out this show. It's not our last show. We still have a show next week, but we'll get some good thoughts from them. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Plenty more ahead, and we'll answer your questions as well. Back with more. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. 
No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue along. Uh, if you've got questions for us for the next segment, because this will be fun, we're going to have a roundtable. You can always email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. You can also uh, join us on YouTube, youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. Um, email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Lots of ways to interact with us. We'll, we'll try and have some fun. A little bit of a free-for-all, though, with some planted questions. We'll see how it all plays out. We'll bring the guys in. Uh, you won't see my face initially, but we'll get them in there uh, eventually. But joining us, it is... Oh, I don't even have Pat in there. Jeez, I'll get him in there, too. But uh, we do have <laughs> Ryan Scott, Gordon Mann, Bob Quillman, and, and don't, don't worry, Pat is there. I'm there. We'll get him... 
squeezed into the box as well. Uh, but you'll hear them just fine. Gentlemen, thanks for taking the time. Uh, not the way we thought the season would end, but we all found plenty of time on a Tuesday. Good to be quarantined with you guys. This is beautiful. <laughs> there you go. True. This one is way very... to make sure we're all available, right? Yeah. Not let anyone right. leave their home. <laughs> Also, very good social distancing here. Yes, very much so, by miles. Um, by the yes. way, really cool to get a picture from Booker Copland of him enjoying the beach while making sure to tune into the show, and then Don Stoner wanting to make sure he's okay uh, with the social distancing part. So I got a kick out of that. Um, guys, first and foremost, I, 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 it was a bit of an emotional week, obviously, and, and so for good reason, a lot of us, uh, I honestly, it was a tough show to do. Um, I'll be blunt last week your reactions i'll start with pat a little bit your reactions on just what how this season came to a close because this this wasn't what anybody thought we'd be talking about this year um i think that the headline i put on uh, d3sports.com was not with a bang but a whimper something along those lines i, I forget which poem that is and i've got a, a senior year high school english teacher rolling over in his grave over that um <clears throat> so i apologize uh, right off the bat but it just, yeah, just such a strange way. And, you know, we saw the slippery slope slipping over the course of you know, whatever, Tuesday, Wednesday, even Monday, whatever, into Thursday, whatever. When did it even all go down? I've kind of forgotten at this Thursday. point. I kind of blocked it out. Thursday. Officially sure. Thursday, yeah. 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 So, you know, it just obviously unprecedented, pretty crazy. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's me. There I got go. the, the D3 sports guy. Um <laughs> Yeah, just, you know, just kind of I appreciate that, you know, mostly people had uh, understanding reactions with a couple of outliers here or there. And that's kind of the most important thing. There's nothing there's not a darn thing in the world we can do about it as fans or as media or even the people within Division three could do anything about this. So we just kind of have to live with it. It's unfortunate, but here we are. Uh, Gordon, your thoughts on, uh, on how that unraveled. It, it certainly caught us by surprise but we also kind of saw it rolling slowly towards us yeah i mean it was i think it was just sad uh you know necessary i think uh but sad is is the uh, way i felt about it i um you know my heart wasn't really in posting the final 20 top 25 poll last night wasn't as excited to do the all regions i mean i'm sure this is true uh, on the men's side but particularly on the women's side where you go through so many nights where the top 25 wins by 30. There's one or two upsets. You know, the top 10 teams will have a combined, you know, 15 losses. It sort of all builds up to the last two weekends where you have those 16 play down and then you get down to the four and then you have resolution. It's like a great movie where it, it builds to something at the end. And this is like the great movie that where the, the film breaks, you know, 20 minutes before the end. This is this is the fade to black uh, without without journey playing in the end. <laughs> Yeah, well, there, there, there's a good way. Wow, journey. Uh, by the way, Don Stoner reminds us, not with a bang, but with a whimper from T.S. Eliot's The Hollow Man. There you go. T.S. Eliot, there we go. There you Thank go. you. Thank you, Dennis Wadley at DLSL High School in Minneapolis. Wow. I missed that. Look at that. <laughs> As Penance um, Pat, you have to watch Cats, the movie, which was also based on a T.S. Eliot poem. So Please don't. <laughs> I mean, I've got time. I've got nothing but time. We all do. Ryan, uh, your thoughts? Is it is it all whimper to an end? Yeah, I mean, as things have gone on, it's um, 
harder and harder to be disappointed. You know, the word came down today, Swarthmore canceled commencement today, um, you know, and, and you realize the guys who are really upset to give up their basketball final are going to be much more upset to give up walking at graduation, um, you know, and and uh, one of the things that I took solace in, this is the weirdest thing possible, but my senior history thesis happened to be what colleges did in response to the Kent State shooting 50 years ago. And it turns out there were hundreds and thousands of colleges across the country that canceled commencement and the end of the spring, and uh, none of us remembers it. So hopefully this is something that will go down as, as sort of a strange memory and, and it'll be a little less heartbreaking in the future than it is right now. First time since uh, the NCAA has uh, killed uh, the uh, tournament since it started in 1939. They didn't even stop it for the NCA playoffs or uh, World War II, which blew my mind. But yeah, I think this one might stick out a little bit more. Uh, Pat's raising his hand. Yes, Mr. Democrat. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, that was a little reference. weird. <laughs> sure, sure. We just recognize the gentleman from Minnesota. There we go. Uh, Catholic Catholic University played in that 1944 NCA uh, tournament, so we we think of that tournament very fondly. That's true. Uh, Bob, you've been patiently waiting. Well, first of all, I'd like to say I don't think of any tournament that Catholic University played basketball in fondly. I'm going to just say <laughs> I've got some experience. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Either do I, uh, if it makes you feel better. Oh, that's true. one on this day. Salantia. Um, but I, I would just say, for me, disappointments, first of all, everyone made the right decision. It was a very difficult thing to get to that moment Thursday. But clearly, looking back now, it was the right decision. We all know that now. Disappointing from a standpoint of 16 teams were left on the men's side. And I don't think it would have been an upset for any of the 16 to play in the national championship game in Atlanta. I don't think we, we could ever have said that in the past. I really believe that. I've been looking at that bracket. And if you go team by team, there's not one team that you would consider like this huge underdog story if they were to play for the national championship. That is my disappointment. I think we are in for one of the best final rounds that we are going to see, and I think that would have been really cool. So just a lot of disappointment around not getting to see that. Sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I, 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 there may have been one or two that I think would have been the dark horses, at, per se, a Hobart maybe, uh, if they had gotten there or, or somebody. But you're right, the, the parody that we've had. And then Gordon on the women's side, Brian Morehouse said this himself, that the parity in, in women's basketball is certainly showing itself there. We saw more upsets in the opening weekend of this tournament than we've seen in a number of years. Yeah, I mean, I still think the, the story in, in women's basketball is, uh, you know, is who is the who is the best of the best. Uh, we did have some upsets. Um, you know, Loris really tore through its bracket. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan pushed Pope. Um, you know, we had Smith come out, but I, I think if you look at that bracket, um, one, one NESCAC team was definitely sort of lined up to come through, um, maybe even all three, you might've had all three with hope, uh, which would have been great or maybe not. Uh, and, and in putting the, 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 the top 25 together last night, you know, it's disappointing for a lot of people. It was the right decision, but my heart sort of broke for. You know, Maddie Hassan from Bowdoin, who was so close so many times. Maybe this was the year she was finally going to get over the hump, and that'll never happen. Or Erica DeCandido from Tufts, who was 
so close so many times. It was finally going to get over the hump. And that'll never happen. Or all the seniors at Baldwin Wallace, who that is a that is a very, very senior heavy team. All of their players were seniors and they were going to get a crack at hope. And that'll never happen. And, you know, there are a lot of stories like that. If you if you step back and look at teams individually, Hope's best players will all be back next year. They return something like 94% of their scoring. For the other teams, that's not going to be the case. And no one's going to feel too bad for Amherst, <laughs> Bowden, or Tops. They'll all be back <laughs> um, in relatively short order. Some of them, you know, faster than others. Uh, but just for the players, particularly for those players who are so close so many times, and we're going to get one more shot at this, and now they now they won't. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it, it, it's a little tough. Um, and, and Brian Morehouse talked about how some of those – well, we heard it from um, Michelle Whitman, too, about how the players found out um, that these games were not going to happen, saw some others. Um, geez, the, the Mount Union's player, uh, DJ, um, sharing the video of getting the news. Oh, just ripped my heart out. Glad I didn't see that before air. Um so, yeah, it, by the way, I, I saw this asked of us. Um, I'll, I'll ask it knowing it's a bit of a loaded question. Spring sports are getting their eligibility back. Probably, you know, that's probably not a, a, a bad thought at all. It's a good reason. Do we even dabble with trying to say you, you come back for uh, another year in winter sports? I know where I sit. Many of you know where I sit, but I'll leave, I'll leave it up to you guys first. I've, I've thought about that a lot. You know, where, where I stand, I guess, is I, I struggle with the thought of, you know, someone playing 28, 29 games at this point and being a loss away from their season ending and, and getting to play more games. I mean, that, I don't know if that's cold, but I think there comes a point where that that's really bad luck. And then the spring, I think absolutely all of those student athletes should have a full season should they want it. In Division Three, it's a difficult decision because that means you got to pay for it. Right. <laughs> but that, I, I think in, in basketball – I would struggle with the thought of seniors getting another year, and I'm sure that won't be a popular opinion with some of the student athletes. But that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, I I don't think it, any you know it, it it's just too hard to do. Um, I do think it would be kind of fun if you just let them you know if their teams make it to the Sweet 16 next year, they can come back and play those last couple of games. That would be fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just see we win this weekend, we get four guys back. Um, <laughs> But you know, obviously, it just there's too many games. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and for a lot for a lot of these students too. I mean, I I had talked with a few of the the student athletes um, at Amherst and some of the other schools. They've already got life lined up. I mean, that won't be true of all of the athletes, uh, but for a lot of them, they already they already have life set for next year. And and uh, you know, I, I just for those, it, it it's not practical. It also is a little unfair to the teams who just got eliminated. I mean, can you imagine essentially telling the top of the top, okay, you get five years worth of students and everybody else gets four, right? Right. That would be that would be a little weird. Yeah, well, well, and you but, couldn't just do the seniors. You'd have to kind of give everybody that extra year and you got somebody who was a freshman this year and get to play five full seasons. That'd be a little right. weird. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you you might be able to convince me if we could somehow just segment off the the 32 teams that are still that were still alive when it ended, and maybe give them one more year, but even then, you know, all those things that uh, everybody else has talked about, I definitely not for the uh, 800 and 
70 or whatever schools that had already been eliminated from the NCAA tournament by uh, this point. Uh, I, I definitely feel bad badly for these uh, players who run teams that were still playing. And, you know, as, as was said, especially in, in the men's bracket, almost everybody with a super legit champ uh, chance to win it all and to go to Atlanta. And that's another, you know, thing we've got to talk about at some point too, is how do we, when do we go back and do that again? The uh, men's D one final four will be in Indianapolis next year. That's obviously a great place uh, to hold something like that as well. But, you know, when are, are we, you know, do we try to replicate that experience that the D3 student athletes missed out on right out of the box again next year? No, that's a that's a good one. That's actually where I've already thought of is like we missed this opportunity where money was set aside and plans were set aside. We had a special tournament, as it were. We were lined up for this. Do we immediately go back? Because you said, Pat, Indianapolis is the perfect place to do it next year because the the buildings aren't too far apart from where D1 will play theirs, uh, where D2 and D3 would play theirs, where D1, D2, and D3 women did play theirs um, a couple of years back. It's not like going to Dallas and Jerry's world where there's just no chance. There's nobody nearby. Um, but that is a, and good a good question. And a good amount of NCA infrastructure, obviously, in Indianapolis, yeah. Indiana. <laughs> Well, and you're even set up for, you know, some somebody like Whitman or somebody from the West Coast who, who wins, they can just stick around. You know, it's an hour and a half down to Indianapolis from Fort Wayne. They don't have to go home. Um, oh. You know, a lot of the teams <laughs> that have to travel are going to plan to do that. So um, it's, it's a good Someone's taking thing. notes, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> One of you is, right? I'm Someone's right. capturing this, right? <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, there's that. Uh, there's a lot of, of uh, unfortunate uh, – I at one point was thinking, oh, maybe we'll go with the tournament and the big D1 boys are going to move into State Farm Arena with us. I'm kind of stoked on that idea. It's kind of like the women, but then I kind of knew that was the end, the end was coming um, for this tournament. It was a rough Thursday. Uh, Wednesday, technically, into Thursday. And as we talked to Kevin Connors of ESPN and it was kind of alluded to later, it was the Rudy Gobert um, testing positive that basically derailed everything. By the way, you can always tell there's a news person who doesn't know sports when they do that story and they name him Rudy Gobert. Gobert. Um, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, all right, so let's ask some fun questions about the season that was. We'll see if there's any specific questions out there that might come in uh, as we go along. Um, first and foremost, um, I guess we'll start with maybe the biggest surprises on both the men's and women's side. Uh, we'll start with Pat, I guess. You're, any big surprises in, uh, on either that you had that you thought uh, were teams that, that jumped out at you? Well, so I have to talk about Yeshiva being a surprise because, you know, that guy over – oh, shoot. That guy there over go. there <laughs> is not going to think that's a surprise at all. Obviously, uh, that's a good one. I was really happy that, you know, we had the opportunity to get multiple West Coast teams to the round of 16. I hope that that's something we can – you know, leave the uh, open the option to uh, happen once again. And I think, you know, obviously the the women's tournament and the women's season, you know, there being a lot of question about who the, the best team is in the country because we don't have a defending champ uh, because Thomas Moore from last year left to join the NAIA. We're going to have it twice now. We're going to have no defending champ. Uh, we're going to have a defending number one team who hmm. wasn't unanimous on both uh, in, in in both sides. I think it's going to just going to make next year really interesting. And I think, uh, you know, as I, I'm already spinning ahead to 2020, 2021, <laughs> because, you know, creating team pages for 2020 and 2021. So uh, what else it never stops. Right 
Yeah, that's what we're doing for the next uh, for the next week when we're not down in Fort Wayne and then yeah. not in Atlanta. Gornowski, I'll oh. go to you before because I know Ryan's itching. I, Ryan does. He wants to re- re- to come back on Yeshiva, but I want to go to Gordon for a sec. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the teams that that looking at the top twenty five uh, after watching some of these teams kind of slowly ascend through the pole and then stick there, um, the ones that look like the biggest surprises. Baldwin Wallace uh, was not did not was not ranked in the preseason. Loris was not ranked in the preseason. Oglethorpe was not ranked in the preseason. These teams were all surprises. They were all still playing. Um, I think what we also saw over the end of the year is the resurgence of teams that we had sort of forgotten about because they picked up losses early in the season. So Oshkosh, George Fox, Christopher Newport, uh, those were all teams that were ranked in the preseason, lost and dropped out. And then caught fire and were peaking at the right time. George Fox winning the Northwest Conference. Um, as Ryan vanishes from your uh, your vantage point oh, there. Oh, yeah, he'll come back. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Oshkosh uh, winning winning the, the WIAC and uh, Christopher Newport uh, playing really, really well in uh, in Scranton and advancing. So those were, those are the teams that were surprises. Um, you know, Bethel was did not receive any votes, I don't think, in the preseason. They finished 12th. Um, so there were there were certainly surprises like that, but we started the year we started with six different teams receiving top twenty five votes or number one votes, excuse me, and three of them were still left in the tournament, and uh, I'm sorry, four were still left in the tournament, and the others were were Wartburg and Mary Harden Baylor, or five, Mary Harden Baylor was still in two. So all of those teams, with the exception of Scranton, were still left in the tournament. So uh, it was it was kind of a validation of those teams being as good as they were. All right, Ryan. You've been itching. You even screwed with your picture on us. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I was did think of Yeshiva first of all as the big surprise, but not just because you know I, I was on them early. I kind of was thinking they'd have maybe a chance to win that first game in the tournament, right? That they'd be the kind of team that could surprise. And then they happened to come down into my neck of the woods, and I got to see them at Washington College in November, and that's when it kind of clicked, and I was like, oh. This, this is not just a surprise first-round team. This is like a team we really need to be watching this year. Um, and, and that was a surprise, the way that Elliott recruited and those guys had come along and, and just that they really were worthy of that top-10 spot that they finished in. But um, the other surprise... Is that visible? <laughs> this there we just is. got via Instagram to the show here. Yeah. Yeshiva was going to win it all. Yeah, And well. they could have. You they know, could have. I, I think they're certainly yeah. good enough to have done that. The other thing that I found surprising this week is how similar my final ballot ended up being to my preseason ballot that we all thought was terrible with the way those teams <laughs> lost in November. Um, but the teams came around by the end, you know, and, and some of those teams that that we thought were good and then we thought weren't so good ended up being pretty good after all. Yeah, fair. Bob? Uh, a couple teams in particular, Colby. On the men's side, yeah. so Colby get a single preseason vote. Um, Colby was a, a, I guess, a pleasant surprise, and, and Mount Union, Mount Union got a smattering of preseason votes, and by the end, I, they I, they were the team that I was picking to win it. I think they, I was one of the Mount Union number one voters. I watched them time and time again in the final two weeks, and I just thought they were dominant, and they looked great. So I think Colby and Mount Union for me, outside of the. The uh, the yeshiva pick. We've talked about them a lot on the show. I would also agree that they've been an amazing story and a very pleasant surprise. Kudos to whoever gave yeshiva 
that one vote in the preseason poll. Ryan said it was not me. It It was not Ryan. That's right. We need to sniff out that person and send them some kind of gift because it was amazing. I'm disappointed in myself because I know I was thinking about Mount Union in the preseason. I just went and checked my ballot, and I didn't vote for Mount Union in the preseason, so I'm a little disappointed in myself. Um, And I didn't vote for Yeshiva either, just for the record. Um, Though they were on my radar. I I wanted to see them prove themselves. But when Ryan came back giddy from Washington College, uh, I definitely jumped on board. And uh, watch, by the way, my biggest surprise was watching Bob jump on board while watching the game at Johns Hopkins, uh, watching my Twitter explode. Uh, with, yeah. With Bob, that might have been my biggest surprise. The Yeshiva fans, they like me sometimes and they hate me sometimes. <laughs> but where, where we've got this is I was invited to a Yeshiva home game, and I've accepted, and it's on. And, and I got the schedule today from Elliot. And it's just a matter now that I think the Williams game is a possibility. So I'm all in on this, and this is going to be the experience of a lifetime. So uh, I'm going to have to bring some video footage of that thing. That's going to be good. We are um, who else are they? Show. Yeah, who we, else? we we're all curious now what their non-conference schedule looks yes, like. That too. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Read. <laughs> I've got it. I shouldn't release it, but I've got it in my email, and I know that they uh, they've added some quality teams. They're, they're so we'll just say stay tuned, but they're working hard on a good schedule. <laughs> uh, right. Very good. I like it. By the way, on the women's side, um, I, I was not a surprise, but I was li- a nice to see programs I've known for so long, like Smith and Williams, um, break through to some degree, if that makes any sense. Uh, Williams returning, obviously, but Smith, I know, has been on the doorstep. Nice to see them kind of get back into the mix of things. Um, and nice to see different names on both ballots. I enjoy seeing different teams rise to the occasion. We're not always talking about the same program. So that was a nice one. I hate, I hate asking this one because it's always a, a, a tough one. I don't want to say disappointment. I hate that one. But anything that jumped out that, oh, man, I really had thought they would jump through this year or they would really come through and it, it just didn't materialize and it, it kind of sticks out to you. I'll go in reverse order. We'll go with Bob with this one. Boy, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to throw one out, but then but but I'm going to reverse it and it's not going to be a disappointment. So I'm just warning you. So, you know, Oshkosh, <laughs> we all thought Oshkosh was going to roll through the WIAC this year. If you think of where we were in the preseason poll, we had we had them two, I believe. And they really had a roller coaster of the season. If you think about them in the non-conference now, granted, they played a ridiculous schedule. But there were also some games in there that were real head scratchers and some performances. They lost a couple key players. They had some things happen. And so from that standpoint, now, again, I'm going to circle back to say they won the WIAC conference tournament. They were the two seed and uh, and they lost in round two in a great game. But look, overall, if I look at where I was in the preseason versus how it finished, I think Wisconsin Oshkosh was one of those teams that was a little bit of a disappointment this year. Fair. I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that one. I, I think certainly five and five start wasn't what I expected out of the defending champs, to say the least. Ryan? Um, I, I think looking back a little bit, the preseason poll and everything, the one that, that was just sort of unfortunate was Nichols. Um, they lost their center pretty early on. Um, not a super deep team to begin with. They only went six or seven deep. And so losing a, a big center like that is is going to be real trouble. They they did rebound pretty well. They had a, a, a pretty good conference tournament and they, you know, they won their first round game, right? I'm correct on that. Um yes. and and they, they were able to salvage that a little bit. But I really think they would have been, you know, a top fifteen, top ten program if they had had everybody the whole season. So that was probably just a little sad for them. 
Gordon? Uh, looking at the uh, at the top 25 in the preseason, every team that was in the top 25 made the tournament except three. Hmm. Uh, Wash U uh, had their 30-year uh, streak snapped, and they were 24th in the preseason. Augsburg, uh, who I think should have been in the tournament but wasn't, <laughs> they were 23rd. Uh, and St. Thomas. And in the year, if you're looking at a team from the top 25 who could sort of look at this one as a frustrating year, uh, it was the Tommies. And that's because they lost their best player a week or two into the season. They're, they're the person, Kaya Porter, who really made that whole team turn, uh, a low-post passer who could shoot from the outside, got hurt early and that coupled with the graduation of all the really good players they had last year and the, uh, and the, the rising of Bethel and Gustavus and Augsburg uh, put the Tommies in a year where remember they started the year with a 70 something game winning streak in conference uh, and ended it not even in the NCAA tournament. True. Pat. Uh, well, and I would echo St. Thomas, uh, in the, in the women's, uh, on the women's side, that's a, yeah. I saw, I try so hard not to say on the women's side, on the men's side, but it is really difficult not to do that. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I think you look, uh, you kind of don't have to go beyond the top five to talk about Amherst. Obviously there's lots of things that went on with Amherst as in we, didn't expect them, you know, maybe to not have their coach, right? Or what the, any idea what it would, uh, you know, what that would uh, mean if Dave Hickson wasn't on the sidelines for them the entire year. So, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, a couple points here or there might have, uh, might have made a big difference for them this year. And then for teams that, you know, didn't really have that excuse or, you know, reason that we can easily point to, I think we could talk about Marietta. Marietta started off real strong. They've had a great recent history under uh, under Vanderwall, and then they just kind of fell apart down the stretch. And you know, getting uh, their doors blown off in first halves of games, you know, fighting their way back to get back into games. And as you know, you know, you expend a lot of energy to do that, and you can't finish it off. Just seemed like you know, talking to some people uh, who were you know involved over there, that this was a team that did not quite have, I don't know, heart something like that, whatever it was leadership on the floor. They were missing some intangible that the, the sum of the parts was not able to get them over the top. But it'd be interesting to see, you know, how we treat Marietta going forward, because I think, you know, the, the 25 pollsters, uh, when we look at Marietta going forward, are going to be, are going to always have 2020 in their head is the year that this team lost, whatever it was, five of eight down the stretch. And, uh, you know, and went one and out in the tournament because that's uh, that's a big disappointment for, uh, you know, for a, a program that has been on the opposite side of a lot of those scores and have won some of those uh, NCAA tournament early round games. This was a complete opposite of that. Well, and even the I watched that last Union Marietta game and those teams looked very even. And then from that point on, just went in, in completely opposite directions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Marietta always seems to peak early. I wouldn't I, argue with that. I, I, yeah, I don't know about always, but yes. Yeah, no, always lost three of their last much. four, lost five of their last eight, uh, lost six of their last ten. I'm, I'm trying to scroll. It's not working. You get the idea. Just a, you know, a, a yeah. great start to the season and a really disappointing end. Uh, Worcester narrowly avoids getting called out in that same way, but maybe I don't know why. Maybe they should also. Worcester with that win against uh, Wittenberg. And then a later win against Wittenberg to get them into the tournament and had great wins against Wittenberg. 
and lost to a conference that hadn't won an NCAA tournament game in the lifetime of most of its current players. So that's also a, a disappointment, obviously. Yeah, um, I yeah, I didn't have high expectations of Worcester this year, but yeah, I, I, I thought they would. They, they, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Um, by the way, mine, Augsburg, I all love the Don Sterner and the Augsburg guys. I had high expectations for Augsburg. I was looking back at my preseason ballot. Not sure what may not have worked for them, but it, I was kind of thinking they'd be in that mix in the top of the Mayak more than just the Johnny's Tommy's um, battle. I also had Wabash up there. I thought Wabash was going to have a good season this year. Maybe I just missed something because um, I had them pretty high up there, um, to say the least. And Wabash. If you think about some of the early shows, Wabash was a team we were – I remember we debated them uh, in the top yeah. 25, and, but we were all very high on them in the preseason, if, if I recall. And I think they are on that kind of a disappointing team bubble for sure. Wabash got two votes – at number three in the country uh, in the preseason poll and one at number five. There were definitely a lot of high expectations for that. All right. yeah. It wasn't just me. Makes me yeah, feel that was That was one of no. those teams that yeah. brought literally everybody back, and, and sometimes that skews things, and <laughs> I'm sure that's what happened there, too. I had them 11th, so I feel like I'm reserved. <laughs> I had a, Yeah, I had them 13th. There we go. Um, so any players – I don't want to get to any hints of what who may be a player of the year or anything like that, because we have All-Americans coming out. Obviously, we had a whole crop of outstanding players. But were there any players or player stories that maybe jumped out at you guys this year? And We'll go with raise of a hand this time. Hey, I'll go with one from the oh, CCF, which I'm familiar with. But, yeah, we'll go with Aiden Chang at North Central. You know, yeah. remember, he suffered a gruesome leg injury, ankle injury. Uh, last year at Wheaton, and I thought that, you know, the day after it happened, I, okay, career's over, he's done. He was a senior, so he starts rehabbing, and all of a sudden he's, like, starting to get into the swing of things about two months later, and, and he started and had a great year on a CCIW conference champion. So I thought that was one of the cooler stories around, you know, the league that I follow the closest is that his comeback from – we couldn't even talk about that injury. Remember, it was like no one would show the video. It was like, don't look at that. It was one of those. And a pretty cool comeback. Great. Good one. Who wants to go next? I was um, thinking of, of uh, Jockahay Black at Colorado College. We featured in the, the Native American story a few years ago. They had so many guys graduate, and the team was was not super good, but he – has really carried him on the back the last couple of years and was able to get some good conference and regional recognition this year. And just thinking about coming from the Wind River Reservation and in the middle of Wyoming to be able to go to a school like Colorado College and, and presumably graduate this spring and, and uh, the, the way that he can impact his his tribe and his life and his family with that is, is kind of a cool story. I like that one. Nicely. Nicely done. Pat or Gordon? I need two more seconds here. Sure. Just one more. All right. Well, I can filibuster for that long. Uh, <laughs> yeah, two stories kind of along the same lines as Bob's. Uh, two players who came back from injury. Uh, Kelly Williams' story I thought was really great and very nicely written about in the uh, yes. um, in the, in the in the tournament. It was nice to see her get a win. And she was on pace when she started to really having one of the great all-time Division three careers ever. I mean, she was you know on pace for. 
2,000 points and, and a ridiculous number of blocks and a number of rebounds. And it all kind of fell apart when she injured. And just reading about how hard it was to come back, um, the decision to come back, the rehab, uh, I thought that was that was a very nicely written story uh, and, you know, sort of gave you a warm feeling when she came back and played so well down the stretch and ended up being, you know, first team all region and, you know, will very likely be all American and, you know, at a position where there's not there's not a lot of true centers. So if you are a really good true center, uh, that's a that's an advantage. The other one who, you know, I had I had would we had saved and hoped to talk about this weekend and never really got to was Leah Springer from Messiah uh, missed all of last year with an injury. Uh, came back, played really, really well. I think she was second in the team, or second or second or first in the country in double doubles behind uh, uh, Yuliska Ramirez Tejada at at, at Emmanuel. Uh, led that team back, and I remember talking to somebody around the team last year after Messiah lost to Tufts. And you know, one of those things you try and have a conversation after someone's just had their season ended to say, "Oh, so what do you think about next season?" And the person looked at me and said, "It's going to be rough because <laughs> they were graduating so much." And then there they were. There's Sweet 16. And I was, you know, one of those matchups you look forward to, those one-on-one matchups. I think, uh, you know, if they got through Leah Springer with her skill level and Erica DeCandido of Tufts with her skill level, that would have been really great. That would have been a matchup that they missed each other last year because DeCandido or because Springer got hurt. And that's just one of those, you know, didn't get to, we'll never know the end of that story. Yeah, good call. Pat, if I, uh, I just want, I did. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate uh, yield that you yielding the time. And Gordon, also, you're like got this ESPN two camera thing going over there. It's like, it's like <laughs> everything's bouncing around. It's like, wow, like 19, 1995 ESPN two all over again. <laughs> well, hard to well starboard, played. hard to port. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, my guy, the the. the is probably someone people aren't going to think of as a, a comeback player, but I, I want to spotlight actually uh, Jake Ross of Springfield uh, yeah. uh, because of what's what happened to Springfield, what happened around Jake Ross last year. You know, guys kind of getting hurt left, right, and center, really key guys for them. Other guys having to step in the lineup. You know, Ross had to kind of take things over, and he, you know, he really struggled. He, you know, uh, shot like just 30% from three-point range. Yeah, but, you know, for a guy who averaged 23.8 points a game, you wouldn't think that he had a bad year, but you know he he really didn't particularly have a great year, and it kind of showed. Like uh, coming back this year, you know, just really impressed with, you know, obviously you know the numbers suggest really uh, better shot selection and having guys around him who can do that. You know, a secondary guy like Heath Post, uh, his numbers increased this year as well. His shooting increased, his shooting got better, and I really think that. Uh, you know, the, the combination of those two things, right? Ross playing a little bit better, having all those guys around them, and then seeing Springfield be obviously a little more successful, getting back to the to the NCAA tournament and getting into the second round is uh, kind of, I think, an under, uh, would, would otherwise be an overlooked kind of comeback story, and that was the guy I wanted to spotlight. Oh, those are nice. I like those. Uh, all right, I'll make this a wild card round. Whatever you guys thought of the season that you that you that jumped out at you, um, for whatever reason, there, there could, geez, I know there could be hundreds of reasons. Anything that, that you're going to remember outside of the season being cut short uh, at the <laughs> end that we're going to be talking about. I know that one makes it a little harder than it should. Who wants to go first? 
I'll, uh, I'll steal one because I said this word like 69,000 times on Hoopsville this year with parody. It's legit. So if you look at the difference in whoever the, the best team was this year and whoever number 25 was or so, maybe go down to 30, that gap is not, not all that big. And that's my point about the Sweet 16. Yeah, Hobart probably would have been a dark horse, but I don't know. You put Hobart and Swarthmore in a gym. I'd like to see what happens. It's it's not a crazy scenario on a neutral court, right? So, um, the parody is great. You know, the the WIAC at a point there in the, in the the well forever, right? They always had a team that was one of the best teams in the country, one of the top two teams, you could say. If you go back to the Stevens points, etc., the Platteville's before that, and the, the WIAC has come back to the pack a little bit. They weren't even in the Sweet 16. Um, the top of the, the CCIW is deep, but the top of the CCIW isn't isn't scaring anybody, and, and so I think that's really the story, and I don't think that's going to change as we move into the next three to five years. No, I agree with you. I, I totally do. I think it's more interesting that way. Who's next? I was just going to interject for a second and say, obviously, you know, Ithaca played Swarthmore pretty, uh, you know, pretty much down to the wire and into overtime, right? Uh, yeah. on, on Swarthmore's floor. So plenty of reason to yeah. believe or understand that it could be possible that Hobart could uh, you know, do the exact, yeah. exact same. Stevens, Stevens sure. pushed him too, and Stevens was a first-round uh, elimination. Sure. We looked at, we, we looked at that uh, schedule in the preseason, and you know, when Swarthmore comes out as the preseason number one, I'm looking at this like, they might not lose a game the entire season. It's not like it, the, there were a lot of you know, top 60 teams maybe or top 80 teams or, or top 40 teams on that schedule but not a ton of top 25 teams and i, I was just kind of happy that uh they did get pushed a bit and uh you know somebody came uh you know and somebody obviously beat them on their home floor in, in a pretty big game um i'm kind of rambling into something that isn't really indicative of the question but uh <laughs> you know right. it, um you want me to do the camera thing again <laughs> well we need to get now we need to get the boxes to uh oh. <laughs> i promise i'm not doing anything i'm just sitting here i haven't I, touched anything it's a mind of its own mm-hmm. um no i you said may get through the season undefeated i i i was surprised swathmore didn't lose more in the conference to be honest with you i really thought somebody would trip him up hopkins at least once before the championship game i'm talking regular season you know, you go to Washington College, stranger things have happened. You know, right. I, I just expected this. I thought our sinus was going to be better, so they would put up more of a fight. And they did give Swarthmore a challenge this year. I thought I was actually more surprised that Swarthmore, Swarthmore's first loss was the championship game in the conference. Um, but, no, you're right. that We all looked at that out-of-conference schedule and went, wow, that's not what I expected for the Garnet think, this year. And I um, think in women's, in women's basketball, I think my – uh, talk about Amherst for a second. Yeah. You know, Amherst lost so many players and had Megan Fox, right? And, and <laughs> lost so many other players that I, I felt Fox. like Megan Fox is somebody Anna, else. Fox. <laughs> How many times have I done this? Thank you. Is that is that anyway? Her name is Fox. That's all we'll do. <laughs> right. So Miss Fox running the point, uh, doing a doing a great job for them, and really, uh, but I really thought that they might lose more games, right? Especially like we saw them in Las Vegas. It's like, yeah, this is not quite your typical GP Grimacki squad, right? He doesn't seem to have the same sort of pieces ready to go that he might uh, normally have. And we might not see them 
in the third weekend. Now we didn't see anybody in the third weekend, obviously, but Amherst, you know, proved itself worthy of getting to the Sweet 16. And that round of 16 game against George Fox would have been really interesting to to see that game happen because we couldn't make it happen in Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Ryan. I was just thinking about, um, you know, most of the season we complained that we couldn't find more than 15 or 20 teams that we thought deserved to be ranked. Right. And, and I was just doing my final ballot and I kind of made a, a group of teams. I said, well, they're definitely top 25 teams. And it turned out I had 35 in there, you know, and, and, <laughs> It just turned out the, the way teams, you know, finish at the end or or maybe a team that you didn't get to see because they're in a smaller conference or maybe they were a surprise winner, something like that. And and just, I mean, I guess it speaks to the parody, but I was thinking even I got to see the Centennial playoffs and the team like Muhlenberg that is super young and really, really talented. I mean, Dan Gaines is a guy to watch. He was one of the best players I've seen all year. And I didn't even know his name until the last weekend of the regular season, you know, and um I'm sure there are stories like that across the country of guys we're just not aware of. Um, and and it's exciting to see uh, just how, how bright the future is, even though we didn't get to finish out this year. Um, the Centennial men's race next year may be insane. Swarthmore, yes, they lose some, but they're still good. They've got guys on their second and third units that many would want on their teams any day of the week. Um, you've got Hopkins coming back. By the way, I found out what happened to Connor Delaney, very apropos or very similar to what happened to him last year. Unfortunately, broke a foot. Um, luckily, no surgery needed. Um, this guy tried dribbling up the darn court with the ball with a broken foot. Um, and then you've got Muhlenberg, as you point out, Ryan, coming back. If our Haverford can keep doing what they're doing, Centennial men next year could be insane. Um, it was very top-heavy this year. Um, by the way, there was a question that came through, and I just missed it. But uh, in the meantime, I'll go. I'll find it, and Gordon will go to you. Uh, well, I think I think in terms of the the a storyline you take out of this year, uh, without you know, we talked about the big three in the in the NESCAC. Uh, we I thought the South region had a really good year for women's basketball. It's still the region that has uh, had the longest drought in terms of putting a team in the top twenty uh, in the final four. And I don't know that either Oglethorpe or Mary Harden Baylor would have gotten through, but they were, you know, they both had really good teams. Um, you know, you had uh, you had uh, Texas Dallas uh, should be very good again next year. I think the thing that struck me most this year, if we're trying to take a step back and, and take a more uh, a bigger picture approach, is how many teams now win with the style that Amherst and Tufts plays. So where they will beat you forty-three to thirty-two. And there have always been teams that have done that. Ithaca has always done that. Haverford has always done that. But for those teams, there's generally a ceiling, right? It's first round of the tournament when Baldwin Wallace hands 67 on it on Haverford or whatever it is. Or yeah. somebody catches fire in Ithaca's defense that gives up 40 points a game, gives up 70. And, and they have no offense to counter, right? And it's over. Um, but th- these are the top three teams in, in terms of defense this year. Hope, 42 points a game. Trying, 46 points a game. Amherst, 47 points a game. Go down a few steps. Messiah, 50 points a game. Tufts, 53 points a game. Scranton, 53 points a game. DePaul, 53 points a game. The thing about all of those teams is as excellent as their defense was, they all could score if they had to. They all had the ability. I mean, that game that I watched 
between Bowden and Tufts, where I expected that to be a 52 to 51 game, where they were in the 90s and were both executing at a really high level, speaks to the ability for these teams. You know, if you're if you're looking for parity, this is a bad sign because <laughs> these teams that are that are defensive that have always been able to score are now getting to the point where you can't score on them at all. I mean, they have scores. Hope scores this year without their best player were ridiculous. Forty-five to seven, they were up. You know, Trine had a thirty-one to seven lead at the half in the NCAA tournament. Teams have figured out a way to play. You, you see this sort of. Uh, first, it was the Northeast teams figuring out that they need more depth and size in the days of the NESCAC or the Liberty League team getting through with a five foot four point guard and getting crushed in the final four were over because they all figured out that that wasn't going to work anymore. Now they've all figured out that they need length and depth. And when I was joking with the Hope folks, I said, it looks like you've taken a page out of the Amherst book with the way you're built. And the response back to me was, that's a pretty good page to take, right? <laughs> so they, they, had, they know, and Hope had always sort of had that model anyway. Um, you know, again, if you're looking for parity, these teams are becoming really, really hard to score against and still have an elite level talent where Sydney Cop can score 35 points on you in a night if she has to. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I think I, I do take it on the parody side of things. I do take back words I heard a number of years ago from Nancy Fay. I was asking, you know, you guys haven't had as much success winning championships. And her comment to me was, you know, it comes down to recruiting. There's a lot more young girls who are playing basketball. I fast forward to this, you know, at Christmas at the Vegas Classic, uh, D3Hoops.com Classic in Vegas, and, and GP Gramacki saying there are better teams now who are getting deeper, and then I fast-forward to Brian Morris. I don't disagree with what you're saying, Gordon. I agree. It's still yeah. – on the women's side, we're nowhere close to where we are on the men's side. Let's not confuse the two words in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I, I agree with you. My, one of my notes about this season was that Tufts game against Bowden. I remember going, all right, I'll watch it. This thing's going to drive me insane because no one's going to score. And the first quarter – Apparently they forgot to, not that they weren't playing defense, but nobody forgot how to miss a shot. Yeah, they absolutely torched the gym, and that game stuck that way the rest of the way. That stood out to me of going, oh, these teams are good because they can play different styles of basketball. And that's if I'm, actually if I'm Amherst, I think that's scary because GP doesn't tend to have different styles all that often. Every once in a while, he gets a high scoring game, but yeah, jumps. Uh, good point though. You, you raise a good point. Um, I don't know. I don't know if uh, what I want to leave the last question on what you know. What do you expect to see next year, or what in the off season might be the story? Obviously, no one really saw St. Thomas for the story last off season coming, um, so this might be a mute point. But what what do you think we're going to be talking about when we tip it up next year? And I'll be fair, assuming we're tipping it up next year, the way things have been going, my schedule's clear now for two months, but. Um, what, you know, maybe I'll start with Bob. What, what do you think we'll be talking about next season? What do you think will be this the off season stories? Assuming the world doesn't end in the next <laughs> thirty or sixty or ninety, assuming that doesn't happen, um, I think coming into next year, uh, it will be hard to figure out who the you know the top five or so teams are. As, I, as I'm looking at the final poll, Swarthmore lost players. Um, I can't remember St. John's and where their roster stands. Do you guys remember how many of those studs return? 
Which Aaron, one? Just in at least two, I believe. Yeah, yeah they. a senior, and um, Walford's a senior too, right? Walford, right? Yeah. If you look on the side. Uh, this is, the, sometimes there's a lock number one. You know, when we looked at uh, the end of the season last year in Fort Wayne, we generally said Swarthmore Oshkosh. You know, I don't know who those 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 two teams are. Um, I think what's happening right now in the world is going to impact this stuff a lot a bit, a lot. This throws off everything going on right now. Coaches aren't able to finish recruiting. Um, it, it's a challenge, we'll say. Yeah. The ability. This is this is the time of year when your your recruits are coming to campus for that final overnight, making a decision. That can't happen. And so I think when we get together for the first Hoopsville show in you know early November, late October. I think we're going to be talking about all the impact from what happened back in the late winter and spring and how that has played out. Um, but I think it will be a phenomenal year next year. And uh, I couldn't tell you who the, the favorite is to win the national championship in 2021. Is that uh, going to uh, benefit all those early, early decision schools, right? Like the NESCAC and Swarthmore and those that decide in October, they're already committed for next year. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> By the way, Gordon's now the one trying to screw with his camera shot. Um, no, I'm just – it's systems just having fun. Um, <laughs> Ryan, we'll go with you. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting, and this is more the nuts and bolts of things, but um, our coaching carousel might be interesting this spring, right? Are we are we going to be taking new jobs or letting coaches go during this whole process? Are we going to just right. ride out another year? I, I'm not sure how the different schools are going to handle that sort of thing. That's uh, – sure. That's something to watch. That's a good point. I definitely, I saw people talk in the media about this happening at the division one level, perhaps that you might want to be a school who's not generating that kind of publicity when all this other stuff is going on in the world. And when your school is not in session and you're not even on campus, you may not be able to get an HR person to draw up the paperwork, hmm. right? I mean, there's a, or to drop the paperwork to hire somebody or have an interview or that sort of thing. I, or, you know, or have a I don't see to it. Buy out the contract. <laughs> ah, right. Yes. At the at those other levels. Yeah. At the D3 level, I could see it being more of a. Yeah, exactly. We don't have the bandwidth to actually make a new hire. So maybe you do write out with somebody who, um, you know, who might not be otherwise someone who you'd have stick around. Yeah. Let me let me give you a depressing one and a less depressing one. Um uh, you know, I am afraid as someone who works with a small school, not the one that's written across my chest. That was a Pat Cunningham uh, shout out. That's, I don't have any Trinity, Texas gear, so he's just going to have to this is going to have to do. Um, well, played. but I work with a school that is uh, enrollment dependent, athletics dependent. I promise I'm not doing that with the camera. I don't know what it's doing. I'm not touching anything. No, it's not you. It's over no. here. It's all kinds of interesting stuff. Uh, I'm big. I'm small. I'm slightly larger than before. Um, sorry. The uh, and talking to folks at that school, they're scared. They're scared about uh, these are not the. You could tell the ones who weren't scared because they closed quickly, right? Harvard, Amherst, <laughs> they closed very, very fast, yes. uh, and they're less risk averse, and they have large endowments. But there are a number of schools. You know, there's one on the football side in Wesley that is fighting for its survival. There are others, 
you know, here in the Philadelphia region, we have like two whole conferences filled with schools where you look at that and go, how is it possible to have that many people able to afford college in the greater Philadelphia region where the poverty rate is what it is? I am afraid that what we're going to see is the schools, and I won't name any of them, but the ones that have been teetering on the edge of financial uh, disaster aren't going to come back. You know, that they're they're just not going to exist anymore. And there's going to be a whole new tier of schools that unless you were around them or in them, you didn't know they had an issue. But now you will. And so I'm, I'm very concerned for those schools um, on the court uh, next year. You, you say, I don't know who number one is. Well, I do. And it's hope. Right. They've got 94 percent of their talent coming back. Okay. Plus, I, uh, Mueller, I think she would be eligible for the red shirt if she wants it. Um, she would be back, and if I just look at the top ten, Tufts graduates its best player, Bowden graduates its top two players, Amherst graduates its top two players, Baldwin-Wallace graduates its top three players, Whitman graduates its top two players, Loris graduates its top two players. I could keep going, but you get the point, right? I'm so, sensing a pattern. Yeah, so it's Hope and everybody else next year. So can we get them to a tournament where they could play some games that would be helpful for us evaluating their talent? Uh, you don't like Finlandia and Orlando on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> well, I mean, I I definitely don't like them playing Finlandia twice. Twice. Sure. <laughs> I was to say, if you don't like it once, how do you feel about it the second time around? <laughs> yeah. Um, I might make a call. Uh, we're there. in battle formation now. <laughs> you know, I, I got to do something to get your... Voltron! That's right. I got I to do something to get the screens to stop doing what they were doing. So this is my solution. Um okay. No, I, Gordon, I, I said, I think I said it to you guys uh, offline. Um, I remember Steve Ulrich with his group went around at the new year, you know, how many schools or some of the questions. And I said, well, one of mine would be, you know, how many schools are going to be closed? And I, I noticed the answers from a lot of people like, oh, a couple. I don't think it's going to be a problem. And I apparently I jumped off the bandwagon and jumped deep in the pool because I went six to 12. I said, I think you're going to see a lot of closings. And then I got a little gun shy because I'm like, oh, maybe I'm misreading things here. But I want to thank uh, – well, apparently we lost Ryan there for a second. Um, I want to thank uh, coronavirus because apparently I'm going to be a little closer because I think this is a problem. This is, this is kind of scary in the larger sense. Continuing to spread, to be honest with you. Sorry, I accidentally dropped the mic off when we lost Ryan there. We lost some of your audio there, but we're talking about the schools closing in and just the suddenness of it. Um, and, and, yeah, we have been losing a lot. You mentioned Wesley. We know Wells has been in trouble. That's been making the news. We don't know how they're doing. We know Iowa Wesley and 
can't seem to get out of their own way uh, in solving that problem. And there's going to be schools we don't know coming. I think, you know, you probably think about other schools in that conference, right? Not to name names because I don't know the specifics. No, I, but because I don't know anybody you know, else. I'm just naming ones we've seen right. published. Right. I think there are other similar schools in that conference, for example, that uh, might be in similar uh, situations for all we know. Not that any of us has looked at the books. I'm sorry. That was just to get Bob to wake up. We're just <laughs> fine. We're just fine, guys. No, you are. I believe. Um, heck, my, my alma mater gave me a scare when they went through some cutbacks, but I'm told that 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 wasn't that not to read into that, that that's just everything's fine, that they were just doing some basic budgetary cutbacks and well, we won't go into that, but you know, that well, and we see it is just taking oh, buyouts, right? Sorry, I'll let Bob go. I was just to say it's amazing how sports dependent, though, you know, these liberal arts small schools are and, uh, Illinois Wesleyan, 40% of the campus population is on a varsity yeah. roster 40, yeah. that's Pretty nuts, right? And I would think that's a similar number to the schools similar, you know, the 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 pause of the world, et cetera. So that's boy, that's huge. Yeah, let alone comparing it to some of those schools that have, you know, six to seven hundred undergrads, right? Yeah, like Blackburn. I have a, my good friend is the head baseball coach at Blackburn. They have six hundred and thirty students and it might be that seventy percent plays. So that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's a... Uh... <laughs> it's it's an interesting time to say the least. By the way, getting messages from people, you know, just you know, dealing with the end of the season, um, and and if you think the end of the season's rough, if a school just suddenly up and closes on you, and I've read more articles about the money they're having to refund and the fees fees that they live on. You now these schools live on their fees, like most companies. That must have been when the mic was dropped. Because yeah, that's it a... probably was. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, we'll see how this all plays out. Um, I think another interesting story will be how, what do they do? You know, will they try and recreate for next year, Pat? I, you know, I think, you know, I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can make right. a decision that fast. They're going to have to get back in the offices. And we don't even know when that's going to take place. Um, right, exactly. I don't know what kind of time it takes to uh, put that together, how far in advance they start to plan these things. I think if I remember reading correctly, after Indianapolis, it's Houston. I think I remember Houston not being an ideal setup for that, and there's no real D3 presence in Houston, as we right. learned at the last two Stad Bowls. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, next year is a great year to do it, and then I don't know when it would be after that. And we're, by that, we're talking about having the D1, D2, and D3 championships right. all They've got to be somewhere again. nearby. They can't be, you know, 30 miles from each other. Because it, it just right. doesn't allow people to enjoy the games. Minneapolis would have been okay. The two stadiums are at the opposite sides of downtown, and there's yep. a great D3 vibe in Minnesota. But yep. uh, I don't know when we'll be back here again either. So For now, there might be a little bit more of a different feel. That's another story you'll have to watch out for. Supposedly in April, we're supposed to get a ruling on whether St. Thomas is going to be able to jump into this new portal <laughs> yeah. that D1's trying to create. But maybe now D1 isn't going to be able to create that portal because they're tied up with not having, you know, what's normal. And on top of that, St. Thomas has got to put a schedule together. Yeah. Dave, also, let's talk about the money situation, for example, too. You know, I don't think any of us really knows what the insurance situation is. You know, CBS slash Turner still pays the NCAA, I guess. 
for yeah. this tournament that doesn't happen. And, you know, well, therefore, I don't almost know. all of our budget comes from that tournament. Right. So where does you know, how, what's the financial setup for stuff like that? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, if, if there's nothing else, though, I, I, I actually want to get the panel's take on uh, something else around this. Does this make it easier or harder for the D1 power conferences to lift out and just do their own thing and uh, come out of the NCA altogether. Any thoughts? Well, I'll quickly say that I did read a Sports Illustrated article by somebody who used to be at the NCAA and talked about being in these meetings where there was a byline for insurance policies in these examples, but didn't know the specifics. And when asked about the specifics, they couldn't get the specifics on what money is there. I agree entirely. That's a big thing considering we only get 3.14% and we're screaming or 3.18 and we're screaming bloody murder about trying to make our, our tournaments better. We certainly don't need a down year. That said, I know D3's got a rainy day fund that they've made sure to, but we can't be dipping into the entirety of that next year just to keep things going. I no, very interesting moving forward to say the least, but back to your question, I'll leave it back to the rest of the panel first. Well, I'm looking at that little Hoopsville donations thing raised by <laughs> 250, and I think we're going to need that. Otherwise, we're going to have different bus and mileage rules. So, 900 miles. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I I just know that it's really hurts um, some of the mid majors at the Division One level. I was not aware because I don't candidly follow the d1 tournament that close um once our once ours is over i'm kind of in a little bit of basketball detox until the nba playoffs but um reading about the impact of the revenue gains for like when loyola chicago made the final four or whatever it was and not just the big revenue hit that they got but something like a million dollars to every school in their conference so those those sorts of losses um i, I think are there's other other than if you're in those schools athletic departments that's kind of invisible that's got to be that's got to be huge because just like you know d1 pays for all of our championships uh, you know george mason probably pays for every sport at george mason or whatever it is so we're doing around the horn now is it tony Rally over there <laughs> yeah I decided, well, just make it look nice we have a few more minutes i'll figure out make it nice for these last few minutes um Pat, re just reiterate your question because I had a thought and I, it was something you said in the wording and I just can't remember. Well, yeah. So, you know, there's this been, you know, for the last few years, people have talked about, you know, the doomsday scenario for the NCAA is if the power conferences in Division One just kind of pull out and go do their own thing, hold their own tournament, you know, and take all that revenue away from the NCAA. I was wondering if, you know, the fact that, you know, the the infrastructure has shown itself you know, pretty laid bare over the course of the last week or two. Does this make it more likely or less likely that the big schools might choose to try to pull something like that off? I think more likely, but I still don't think that it's probable, if that makes sense. I think it increases the odds, but I, at the end of the day, I still feel like those institutions want the NCAA, and, and I don't see that changing. I don't know if anyone disagrees. That's kind of my take, though. I've, I've always been of the, of the thought that it wasn't going to happen yet. They already have their, their cake with football. They're already enjoying what they can do in football with no NCA intervention because they can do whatever they want. They get the money out of that straight. They don't get it from the NCA. The NCA gets no money in that. They get their championship. 
Um, and I think it hurts their other sports more to pull out because, remember, we're talking about essentially two sports. You're talking about football and basketball. We can throw in women's basketball out of due prudence, sure. Um, but they can't – I don't think they can pull out every single sport and be able to do anything what the NCAA does with those sports and championships. Um, so I've always had the, of the thought that this, this is all you know, great com- conversation, but I don't think it's possible – Furthermore, I don't think they get the competition in the storyline. I don't think you get the money if it's all the big boys going at it because that's not what we tune in for. We tune in for the upsets. We tune in for the, the Wichita States. We tune in for the Winonas. Um, the Gonzaga one time uh, <laughs> before they became consistently good. So, yeah, I, I agree. It certainly makes it more bare, but I think to some degree, I don't think it was ever going to happen in the first place. They already have their football. I don't. I don't think they could do it otherwise, but I could be naive. I was naive that I thought the tournament was going to end, to be honest, but I also was looking at my bank account hoping it wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't end. Uh, and I certainly didn't need to see May canceled already. But, you know, again, I, I tend to be a little more naive in those things maybe. I mean, I can see that. I, I can also see that, you know, having the fact that they don't have to share that money with the NCAA – on the football level, making them think, well, we can do this on the on the basketball level, too. I agree with you that those of us here and the general public would tune in for March Madness as it is now because, yeah, there's a 10 seed that could beat a 7 or a, a 15 that could beat a 2. Um, I don't know that the, big, uh, that the big conferences see it that way, right? They see sure. themselves as the only thing that's worth showing up for, and that's why they keep uh, – pushing for more and more at-large bids and why, you know, I think they get they get more at-large bids than they used to, right? I don't follow that tournament much either anymore, but that is sure. my understanding from what I have heard and read. So, um, uh, You brought up an interesting kind of question. I just got a tweet or a retweet of an article. Athletic directors planning for NCA being unable to cover financial losses of canceled March Madness. USA Today. I mean, they should they should be prepared. That's for sure. They should absolutely be prepared. I don't know if we know the story, but, you know, if and, you know, you talked about uh, the fact that, you know, as a team advances further, their conference gets more funding. Right. How do they split that pie up now? You know, what is if that pie exists? How does it get split up? Who gets that money? Obviously, those are things that D1 athletic directors and conference commissioners have to worry about. But we just have to worry that there's. We lost Pat there for a second. Did I lose all of you guys? We're here. Go ahead, Pat. There we go. I was just going to say, we just have to hope that there is a pie because that very narrow sliver funds everything that we care about here. Yeah, it's your your old paper, USA Today. Um, Not positive, but... Byline? It's an interesting topic. Who who wrote it? Uh, I was wondering who wrote it. Let me scroll to the back. Uh, Steve Berkowitz and Dan Wolken. Oh, yeah. Those guys know their stuff. They know their stuff. (laughs) That's their thing. Hey, I know we're about to lose Bob, so we should probably wrap it all up in general. We can certainly maybe hash this all out in a podcast down the road. I think it would be an interesting conversation to be had, to be sure. Um, It's one of the reasons I want to talk to the NCAA, too, and hopefully we'll be able to talk to them down the road uh, as well, whether it's a a Mark Emmert because we shoot for the sky, a Dan Dutcher, or somebody else who can give us those answers. But I think they're figuring them out at the same time, so we'll see how it plays out. Uh, guys, we'll leave it on that then. Ryan's last word was to hang up on all of us. He just dropped the mic and walked <laughs> home. Uh, apparently, he lo- had some internet problems at home is what happened. But we'll we'll go with a final word. Gordon, I'll start with you. We'll go 
clockwise around the screens. Uh, final thoughts on the season. Final thoughts on anything. Uh well, you know, I think it's hard to to not wrap this up on kind of a melancholy note. You know, uh, it, it's uh, it's this is the weekend um, where we're supposed to be. Yeah, there you go. This is the week. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bob Ryan or whoever it is that does that on those shows. Um, I, uh, you know, it, it's hard not to feel uh, disappointment for the student athletes, for the coaches. Uh, who plow their time and their life into this and then to have it, it, it end suddenly. Um, uh, you know, it, it, at this point, you know, I think you, you just kind of have to um, mourn the loss and uh, focus on other things. There, there are much, much bigger concerns in the world than, um, than, and than any kind of athletics thing. Uh, hopefully we'll get through this uh, all right. I believe we will. And, uh, you know, next year we'll be back to talking basketball again. But this is, this is a this is a tough time. Sure, Bob, your final thought. Yeah, again, very disappointing way to finish what was a great season was going to be a phenomenal Sweet 16 and into the Elite Eight, Final Four, National Championship game. Uh, I, I I was really impressed with the way the tournament bracket was made. There were some tough matchups, but there's going to be tough matchups. I just thought the way the bracket was made was outstanding this year. And uh, we have uh, we have bigger stuff going on in the world, unfortunately. You know, where where we thought this was three weeks ago, and even where we thought it was when Johns Hopkins took that measure to not let fans in, and like where we were that moment to, to right now is amazingly advanced. <laughs> so uh, I just you know, look, we need to do everything we we need to do to get through this, which we will. I think it's going to be. It's not going to be 30 days, but we need to get through all this. Um, maybe the thought of uh, the, the 2021 season can help us get through it. Maybe this is the time to start figuring out that, that preseason ballot for next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, again, I, it's been an awesome season. Thank you to all of you guys for everything you've done on the official D3 uh, crew. And, uh, you know, people are just so thankful for what you do. So it's been a pleasure jumping in and, and joining you guys again. Thanks, Bob. Definitely appreciate Thank it. Thank you, sir. Been fun having you all season. Uh, Pat, final thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to echo a bunch of what's already been said. I think that, uh, you know, this is a time, uh, you know, for us to practice our social distancing. And as a social media guy, I'm going to sit here distantly behind a couple of keyboards, <laughs> uh, only emerging to, uh, you know, go for a run for a few days, a few times a week. Um, and, you know, make a trip to the grocery store or to the liquor store or whatever uh, suits your fancy. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to at the end of this, I'm going to go bask in uh, March 17th of 2001. I've got a highlight video to watch. <laughs> I have an audio tape. If I can go find a player to play it in, I've got an audio tape of that broadcast uh, with uh, with Rick Seidel. So <laughs> we get to hear Pat Maloney uh you know, break the back of William Patterson one more time. And, you know, I wish we had the the ability to turn us, self, uh, turn us into classic D3 hoops or classic D3 the way that, uh, you know, ESPN can just pull something out of the archive and fill its calendar. Uh, but I encourage people to go back and relive stuff because that's what we got right now. Um, so be safe, people. Be healthy. Don't do stupid things. If you're going to go out on a beach, you know, you know, be safe. Keep your distance. 
uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, it's not transmissible through water, so we got that going. <laughs> As a Goucher grad, and, it stunk that Catholic won. It was cool that Catholic won at my very first Final Four. It stinks that coronavirus knocked out what would have been my 20th straight. Um, just a little sidebar, but it was cool to see a team I knew win it in my first year there. It made it a little easier. But uh, that's all I got. Otherwise, I mean, my team ain't getting there. That's for sure. The rest of you guys all have better chances than I do. Guys, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Um, we'll talk in the offseason, certainly. Uh, appreciate the time you gave the show and look forward to talking to you guys down the road. See you guys. Right. Be Thank safe, you, everyone. Dave. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Appreciate the guys coming on. Ryan Scott jumped off internet issues, he said, on that end. Sorry for the audio dropping out at one point, because when we lost Ryan, we lost the audio that we're feeding in. If you might remember, flashback to the selection show, it turns out I was feeding too many audio sources in. That's what the problem was. Uh, I want to thank Ryan Scott, Bob Quillman, Gordon Mann, and Pat Coleman for joining me on that. That was fun to do. Uh, we'll certainly do more of that uh, in future shows, I'm sure. But uh, thanks to the guys for doing that, um, to say the least. Um, so here's the thing. We have one more show because we'll talk all Americans and wrap things up next week. So next Tuesday is, is looks like the plan, 7 p.m. Eastern time. One more video show for the season. Um, I don't want to exactly say what we might do, but let's just say all Americans could be the topic here on the show next week, no matter how we do it. Um, and um, we'll also talk to some more coaches that way as well, but we may have some others we'll chat with. It should be a fun show. Looking forward to putting that one together. So that'll be our last video show of the season. And then we will transition, hopefully, because I might have way too much time on my hands, to our our audio podcast once a month. Uh, again, something that we have we tried to do last year, and we were making a wholehearted effort. Uh, I even recorded something uh, just days before this studio was was torn apart. Um, but unfortunately, uh, other things precluded me from putting it all together. We'll try and do monthly podcasts as we continue to follow. What happened to the tournament? What is the future with things because of finances? What is the future with colleges? We'll talk about coaching changes. We'll talk about other things out there. The TBT is certainly on for right now, but that may not last. But if the TBT is still on, there's still another YD3 team out there. So um, we'll, we'll try and do that. But again, next week, looks like Tuesday, 7 o'clock Eastern time is, a, is the date. Stay with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere else to find out exactly the details on that one. Um, and what was the other note? Oh, I got a note. Uh, one of the other things, I guess, you know, it's sad for the committee. Committee did all this work to put a, a tournament together. And unfortunately they didn't even get to see the fruits of their labor outside of one weekend. I know that's sad to some committee members out there. Um, and we tip our hats to say the least to them. Um, um, Jay says without naming names of schools, does Gordon see a Mac school or two that doesn't come around uh, being around come September? I, I, I don't know. I didn't see your question till now, Jay. I apologize. Um, I think you have to look at all schools that you think might be a little bit close at this point, because this is a tough time of year, to say the least. Um, as one person messaged me, scary times for all of us at this time. Um, Green Twinkie asked us, seeing Yeshiva in person, do you think they could have pulled off a win against Randolph-Macon? If so, how far do you think they could have gone? I think they absolutely could have beaten Randolph-Macon. Now, I still had Randolph-Macon higher on my top 25 poll because that game didn't take place. Um, but I closed the gap. I put Randolph making four Yeshiva five in my final ballot. Um, I absolutely think Yeshiva could have won that because Yeshiva's got more presence inside than I think Randolph Macon would have been able to handle, and they move quite quickly. 
Um, a week to get ready with Josh Merkel as head coach. I don't, I can't absolutely say that for sure, but I certainly thought Yeshiva had a really good chance in that one. Uh, I thought Yeshiva would be in Fort Wayne. And, and as Bob said, I, I think there were legitimate chances at national titles from all 16 teams that were still left, to be blunt, uh, because the teams worked just the way it all broke down. I think it was really fascinating to see. Um, and I'd be curious to see what, uh, um, I'd be curious to see how that would have played out with that, uh, a segment that went much longer than I anticipated because we had good stuff. Um, you just listened to an hour and a half of no commercials. Um, it, when we get our full sponsors and our full advertisers for next season, that won't happen. <laughs> we'll be, we'll have to hold on to those commercials, uh, a little bit more, um, religiously to say the least first and foremost i want to thank the national association of basketball coaches especially our friends at division three i may forget a name but i'll try this off the top of my head pat cunningham um tad mc uh, mccracken yeah sorry buddy uh dan priest jody may mike mcgrath charlie brock gary stewart uh i know bill riley's not technically with him but i still always thank bill there may have been somebody else I forgot. Thanks for letting us announce the uh, all-star rosters tonight. Really appreciate that, especially those at the NABC, Wade and Stephanie. Really appreciate the solid support on that. Want to thank Pat Cunningham for coming on the show, talking about those selections, but then most importantly, talking about uh, his decision, or, or maybe it wasn't his decision. You can read into those words how you wish. To walk away from Trinity, um, Texas basketball, want to thank Justin Parker at Trinity for uh, sending us images of Coach a while back, this interview was set to go several times before News of the World uh, took precedent over things. I want to thank him. Uh, I don't know if he's listening, but James Wagner, uh, Wags, thanks for offering to be on the show. He's done that a few times. I haven't been able to slide him in. It was about talking about conference things. I think we'll still have that as a topic. Don't be surprised if Wags comes on a later show, a podcast potentially, about all the decisions that this really had to go into. Um, but I want to thank him publicly because he's he's been willing to come on the show. He knows I was looking for some content. Uh, I appreciate him at least being available if needed. Um, and I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Um, I was asked if I was going to ask ask about this again. The donation level was seventy five hundred. Our current goal, or our current level, is at fifty two hundred. I'm going to leave this open for the rest of the week, and then we're shutting it down. We'll keep the PayPal donation thing open because it can stay open, plain and simple. Um, and so it will always be open to anybody who wants to donate. But the official run for 7,500, um, we are, as you can see, uh, a little under 2,500, about 2,200 uh, down from that goal. We'll keep that open uh, for the rest of the week. If you want to donate, please help us. Thank you. Um, a lot of that money now is being turned around into the house because, well, I'm not working. Um, I just talking to a buddy of mine, an alum who played basketball, uh, he just got laid off from his job. He's pretty high up at his company. Just got laid off. There's a lot of people going to be going through some tough times. So anything you can donate is certainly appreciative. But I certainly understand if that is not possible at this time. Um, a reminder, all Americans will come out. Again, that will be the topic of our conversations next week on this show, the last one of the video effort for this season before we transition to the audio-only podcast for the offseason. And then we'll return to audio or to video broadcasts We'll see when exactly. don't want to give you a date now. Obviously, way too far in advance. We'll try and get one out the beginning of the season like we did this year. Um, I'm going to need another back surgery, so when I do that, we'll certainly be part of dictating a lot of that stuff. Um, and there you go. Thank, congratulations to all those who made the NABC All-Star Team. Congratulations to all those who made the WBCA All-Star Team. Congratulations to all of you who made all-region um, selections. 
And we uh, will congratulate you now on all those who become All-Americans, and we'll be talking about them next week. If you've got questions for us in the interim or if you've got questions for us down the road, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us uh, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to communicate with us. We'll try and stay in touch with somebody who was messaging me on Instagram all night. I saw maybe one of your questions before you deleted them. That's not how it's going to work with us. you got to leave those questions up there for us to see them. Can't delete them. Uh, we don't get to see them. Uh, but thank again to uh, Ryan Scott, Gordon Mann, Bob Quillman, and Pat Coleman for coming on and doing a roundtable with us. We might do a roundtable later in the season maybe uh, to talk things over uh, about what we see, depending on the news. Obviously, things we'll be keeping an eye on certainly are St. Thomas and, and all that, but we'll recap a lot of that when we meet next week thanks for tuning in, everybody you've been listening to hoops hope presented by d3hoops.com i want to thank our sponsors of course it starts with sensible sports marketing go to getsportsense.com or call them at 800-575-4755 sensible sports marketing works with programs from every level of college athletics specializing specializing in big time solutions on a small school budget from designing posters and schedule cards to large format wall graphics and more they have got you covered. Again, check them out online at GetSportsSense.com or give them a call at 800-575-4765. Also, if you're looking to make a trip internationally, and certainly not talking about right away, but somewhere in the in the allotted time the NCAA gives you as a team, whether it's South America, maybe Costa Rica, Europe, or maybe somewhere else, check out our friends at Sport Tours International. They say they like to play the world, and they will hope you will too. Check them out online at www.SportTours.net. They also have tournaments like the day. Tona shootout before Christmas, and they've also got the D3Hoops.com Classic. Yeah, fun, fun little tournament we all know about well at South Point Arena in Las Vegas. If you're looking for a tournament for next year to fill in some games, those are two good dandies, especially the one in Vegas, though I'm a little bit biased. Check out our friends there at Sport Tours International, www.sporttours.net. And if you're a coach looking to advance your career, check out Capital Elite Agency at www.capitaleadagency.com or check them out on Twitter at Cap. Elite Agency, that's Cap Elite Agency on Twitter. They will prepare to advance your career in basketball coaching. And that will do it for us. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate the time you gave us. Hope you will hope to see you back here uh, next week. I want to thank also our friends at Blue Frame Technology for their support of the Hoopsville Hotline and the support of our streaming partner here, whether it's on um, online on our webpage where you may have been checking us out or maybe you've checked us out on Facebook and YouTube. That's where they're helping us stream. Or on the Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, or Android TV apps via the Team One Sports app. I want to thank our friends at Blue Frame Technology. It's been fun working with them this year, and we hope to continue that work into the future. Also, thanks to the WBCA and ABC as well for their support. You've been watching Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. We'll see you back here on Thursday when we wrap up the season especially talking about All-Americans and other awards. Good night, everybody.